Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's a game night for the Utah Jazz. Yes, the Jazz are in action tonight against the Indiana Pacers, who are going back-to-back. They lost in Denver last night, 101-98. Will Barton got him for 30. Jokic was out. This was a game he had to serve the suspension for running, uh, running through Morris and blowing him up in retaliation. The Pacers had everything set for him and still couldn't get it done, and now they're going back-to-back against the Jazz. This needs to be another win for your Utah Jazz. All right, we will get to that coming up. We've got Joe Ingles on the way here in the 6 a.m. hour, but we're going to do a little youth football right now. Nick Ford, Utah offensive lineman with PK and I right here on the Zone Sports Network. Nick, good morning. Good morning. So, Nick, is that about as much fun as an offensive lineman can have, running for 441 yards, pancaking guys, blowing guys up, watch your teammates run into the end zone? Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun for sure. I mean, you know, going out there and doing our job. Um, but, you know, uh, we got to make sure that we keep focused and, you know, don't soak in it too much and, uh, you know, start preparing for Arizona. Your guy's been in this conference living in the L.A. area, so you know a lot about it. Do you think right now you're playing as well as any team in the conference is playing? Uh, I do believe so. I, I believe we're playing as well as any team in the country right now with how we're playing, and I think that uh, if we continue to do our job, good things will happen, and uh, that's, that's what we need to continue to do. So it's been a good run here. There have been a lot of good performances and a lot of good results. Uh, looking back, though, can you explain the Oregon State thing? Because you're right, you're playing at a really high level now, and obviously that night you weren't. Uh, like I said, you know, you can't focus on the past. Uh, you know, we look forward to hopefully seeing them again in uh, December. And, uh, you know, maybe it's them, maybe it's Oregon, maybe it's Washington State. It's a tight race up there. And, um, you know, we still got to focus on what we got going down here to get to that point. So we need to make sure that we take care of Arizona first. Were you surprised at all on how easy it was against Stanford? Three guys running for 100 yards. You blow them out by 45 points. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, they're, they're a good program. They're, they pride themselves on being physical, and uh, that's what we pride ourselves on doing. And uh, we just went out there and did it. And, uh, you know, the end result happened. And, um, yeah. So it's a little thing. It's kind of a footnote. But the Utes won the toss, and Kyle often puts the – he'll defer, which means the defense is going out on the field usually. And – he took the ball and put the offense out on the field. Did that mean anything a little special to you that he had confidence in the offense and gave him the ball right away? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can see that in the recent games as well. He has a lot of confidence in our offense and what we're doing and that we're going to start fast out the gate and go score and, you know, get things rolling. So it's a, it's a great thing. He, he has even said it uh, prior to the game, you know, and, you know, it's just it's a good feeling knowing that uh, uh, Coach Witt has, you know, great respect for his uh, offense now. Because, I mean, he is a you know, great coach, offense and defense, but he loves defense. He's a defensive guy. And, um, you know, that's how it's been for years. But I think he sees, uh, you know, what we're doing on offense, and he definitely has given us the opportunity to, you know, take advantage of that. When the team plays on a Friday night and wins, then how fun is it to have Saturday off? Oh, it was amazing. I got to freaking sleep. <laughs> I, I I had a, a like a hundred and one degree fever during the game, so like I was knocked out Saturday. <laughs> what time do you guys get back in those situations like that and those late games on the road? 
Shoot, we got. I probably didn't fall asleep till about five thirty in the morning. Yeah, brother. Six. So when you watch the film, are they? Well, first off, are you gonna, when you win like that? Do you watch as much film? And if so, are the coaches still going to find mistakes? Because I'd have to look it up. But you're averaging seven, eight, nine yards a carry. I mean, the numbers were massive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we were still going to go in and watch film and you know correct our mistakes and you know look forward to getting twenty two percent better. And I mean, we went in today. And, you know, there are some minor things, uh, not a lot of things, but there were some minor things and things we can clean up and, you know, plays that went for long distances and everything else. You know, there's still, you know, uh, like maybe it's an improper step, maybe it's whatever. You know, the end result may have been a pancake or a seal block for a touchdown, but at the same time, you want to make sure that you address everything. So, um, you know, the game's a game of football. The football is um, inches and in seconds. So, you know, we've got to make sure every uh, step and movement is not wasted. From a media slash fan standpoint, which is what I am, I'm not a player, obviously. For me, the college football season just blows by so fast. And here we are already in November. You got three games left, last road game, I think, and all that. From the player perspective, how fast, if it is even fa- fast, does the season go by? Uh, it goes by ridiculously fast. Season is the fastest time of the year. Uh, winter conditioning is probably one of the longest. Uh, same thing with the summer. And, um, you know, we get into a routine. And, um, you know, we wake up sometimes at like 6.30 in the morning and, you know, get back home probably about 7, 8 o'clock. So your days are filled. And, you know, you fall back asleep and then boom, it's the next day. And, you know, that kind of happens. And, I mean, just a second ago, I mean – you know, it was winter conditioning and all of a sudden it's season and now season's like 70, 80% done, 90% done. And, um, yeah, it just goes by really quick. You don't really, uh, you know, realize it till after. And that's one thing they always tell us here ever since my freshman year and ever, like every freshman is, you know, cherish every moment because it goes by and goes by. So some of the moments to cherish. There were a couple in the game. Uh, Pledger breaking off a 96-yard touchdown run. You've told us before that you come to the line of scrimmage. Actually, they had a shot of you during the game, and I saw you doing it. Uh, and you're you're looking not just at you know the D line and the linebackers, but you're checking the secondary. And that shot in the game, you were doing that. Did you know that Pledger was going to have a chance to break a big one on that 96-yard touchdown run, or did that surprise you a little bit? Uh, yeah, I mean uh, the way the box was fitting up and everything. Uh, you know, it was a good box, and we knew we were going to be handed up well. And, um, you know, we were looking in the front side, and that, that safety was the only one sitting there. I said, all right, well, if this safety don't make the play, then it's, it's going to go. And if they make the play, it's going to be about a 10 to 12-yard gain. And, you know, TJ did a great job getting that first 10 to 12 yards and, you know, stiff-arming that safety and making a miss. And, you know, that, that's the ultimate difference because um, in the past game, it's a little easier to see uh, pre-snap. Uh, because, you know, you, you'll have somebody who's lower or who's not in the area, and, uh, you know, the route structure's going that way. Uh, but in the run game, it's more, okay, everyone in the box is taken care of. Who's the free hitter? Because there's always going to be a free hitter, whether that's a safety in the open field or a linebacker in the goal line situation. And um, at that point, it's the running back's one-on-one job to take care of that. And if the running back takes care of it, it's going to happen exactly like TJ's run happens. 
You talk of how when you're a freshman, you're told by the upperclassmen, juniors and seniors, to cherish this because it does go by fast. And you wonder if you're a freshman and you seem like three or four or five years down the road seems forever. And then when you get there and you look back, you realize it's not forever. It was almost like metaphorically overnight. At what point did you, along the timeline, realize, hey, this thing does really go by fast? Uh... Dude, I probably realized that probably like my wrestler, sophomore wrestler junior, uh, back in like 19, uh, especially 19, because I came in with a lot of older boys, like Lo Palamaka, Loco Otafe, uh, Lonnie, um, shit, I was here with Lowell and Swift, and, you know, by about 2019, all my, you know, original friends were gone. Yeah. It was an entire new team, an entire new d- dynamic, like just the type of people who were around. I was like, dang, man. Like, <laughs> I got in here, and I was looking at them like, oh, man, y'all are some old heads. Like, y'all are the last of your kind. And about two, three years later, I'm like, hold on. I'm the old head now. <laughs> and now, especially because I look at them out, and, you know, a lot of my boys who came in with me, class of 17, John Pennacini, Marquise Blair, um, you know, people like that. And, you know, they're, they're gone. They've been playing. Jalen Johnson. There's just, yeah, I've seen a lot of people come and go. And, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an old guy now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So that would uh, maybe give you a little perspective of what coaches are thinking. You know, Kyle's been there so long. He was head coach for guys who are 35, pushing 40. He's assistant coach, and there are guys who played for him who are 45 or pushing 50. Yeah, no, that's. That's freaking insane. I mean, everyone knows Coach Witt's been at it for a long time. There's definitely a bunch of other guys who've been at it for a long time, too. And, you know, I mean, I for sure know they, they like, they know they've been around for a while. The guys you just mentioned, Penasini and uh, who was it? I already forgot. Uh, Jalen Johnson oh, and Blair. All those guys, as you say, they're NFL guys. Uh, with last year being a non-counting year as far as the eligibility clock, uh, uh, what are your thoughts as far as you potentially moving on to the NFL? Uh, there's a good there's a good chance, you know, but uh, I I I don't want to look forward. To the future, I need to take care of business now. If I take care of business now, you know it's going to be good for me, and I'll have the opportunity to go. And if I, you know, get lost and you know the headlights and keep looking forward, then I'm going to be, you know, not stuck in a bad way, but you know, just like not have that ability to go there. So I know ultimately I got to get my job handled like here before I even think about doing anything else. Well. You guys are huge favorites over Arizona, but how do you make sure guys don't look past Arizona to a huge game with Oregon because Jacksonville just beat Buffalo? I mean, if something like that can happen, then anything can happen in a football game. How do you make sure the guys aren't looking ahead? You're a team leader and probably have to set that tone. Uh, just simple. It's just leading by example and, you know, working. Everyone's out here working. Everyone's, you know, watching film already, watching film on Arizona, getting ahead. Um that's the main thing, um, especially for leaders, is, you know, uh, like me, Devin Lloyd, Nephi, Cam, Covey, Mika, we're all, you know, going to take it serious because it is a one-and-all week every single week. So, you know, we need to come into the building and watch the film we need to watch. And on top of that, 
you know, we need to um, go ahead and get out on the field, go in the weight room and, you know, grind like it's fall camp. And uh, we continue to do that, then, you know, everyone else will follow along. Mostly night games, but this is going to be a noon start. What are your thoughts about that? Say again? Mostly, you play mostly night games, but this is going to be a noon start in Tucson. What do you think about that? I love it. You're going to get to wake up and get out there and get going. That'll be fine for sure. Yeah, you get home and be asleep before 530 in the morning, yeah, really, too. That's so you a got, big one. You got that going for you. Yeah, no, the formula is like you, on average, when you start the game, it's about eight to nine hours after you start is when you'll be in bed. Nick, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes. Congrats on the win against Stanford, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you. You guys stay safe. There's Nick Ford. When we come back, we're talking RSL. Dramatic run to the playoffs. Dramatic goal with 15 seconds left. RSL interim coach Pablo Mastroni, who went to the same high school, Thunderbird High as PK. He's a little younger. Uh, the Arizona guys will have their memories, and RSL fans will get to your memories next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's a trip to Tucson, Arizona for the Utes as they enter the home stretch of their Pac-12 schedule with a showdown against the Arizona Wildcats. Catch the Ute pregame show this Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Ah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time to bring in Real Salt Lake's interim head coach, Pablo Mastroni. He joins us right now. On the Smart Rain guest line, Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Pablo, good morning. Morning, DJ. PK is here for a little Thunderbird High reminiscing. You guys are taking over the world, (laughs) and you have Demir to thank for it because he has extended the season. Have you gotten over that? When does the adrenaline high end? I don't know. I'm still, I'm still, yeah, recovering from the lack of sleep from a couple (laughs) nights ago. It's been a, it's been a fun uh, moment to kind of replay and check out all the different angles and, um, yeah, crazy times. So as I watch your team the last month, Pablo, it reminds me of being on the first tee at Cave Creek Golf Course. As I stand over <laughs> that ball, I don't know what's going to happen today. I know there's a chance that I could shoot maybe 78, 79, but I also know that there's a chance that I could shoot 92. And it's really frustrating because at the same time, I know it's within me, but I don't have the consistency. And I sort of relate that to your team. as has been a lot of... Uh, Exciting times, but some times that were disappointing, too. How do you find that consistency? Well, I think, um, you know, I, I think it's a part of the process that we've been on, you know, taking over a team midseason, trying to change um, the mentality of the group and the way we want to go about doing things. And then we changed the formation um, because we didn't have certain players in certain positions and trying to get the most out of the players that we, that we had available. And so there's a lot of variables at play. Um, and 
you know, it's a lot easier when you have a six-week preseason and you know exactly what you're going to do and you're the same guy throughout the whole year. Um, but the one thing that is consistent, uh, DJ, is that you know you're going to finish the game the right way. Um, and that's what I'm most proud of. Um, however we started, whatever the scoreline is, you know with 10 minutes left, 15 minutes left, and this has been the common theme of this group, is that they're not going to give up and they still believe. Um, and I think it's that mentality and that consistency that actually saw us through to the playoffs. So you took the team from the uh, the four two three one into a three five two, and it led to wide open soccer. There were a lot of goals. Sometimes you gave up a lot of goals. Sometimes you scored a lot of goals. But man, it was up and down. It was exciting. What is the reaction when you go into the final game and you tell the guys, "Hey, we're switch we're switching back. We're we're going to play four and back again." What well, what was the reaction from the players? Well, you know, I think it was interesting. I think the guys up front um, kind of. We're, we're kind of shocked because I think, again, we were creating a lot of great opportunities and, um, and, and they really enjoyed that part. The guys in the back, I think, had a different perspective, which is, you know, we've conceded seven goals in the last, in, in the last two games. And, right? and so I think for me, my job is to strike a balance and, and make sure that uh, I do what I think is best for the group. And given that we were so open, as, as, as you rightly mentioned, um, how, do we, how do we kind of tame it back a little bit yet allowing certain players like Albert to find pockets to get on the ball and, and Demir to do his thing. And, um, and I think the, the, the interesting thing was, I think it was our most professional, our most disciplined uh, performance um, that we've had and going back to a four. And so the ability to go from a three to a four that quickly um, after not have done it, just, again, speaks to volumes of the amount of focus and concentration that these guys had going into the last, the last game of the season. So you start November 23rd against Seattle. What are you going to do in the meantime with the team? Well, I think it's, um, you know, I think it's a balance, right? I think you, if you start tactics too early, then uh, you lose it. So what, what, what I want to do is, you know, on, on Friday, just show a little bit of Seattle and maybe talk about the buildup and how they like to press and how we could build out from the back. And then um, on Tuesday, maybe talk about the, the, the way that uh, we want to press from the top and, and, and how they and how they want to build out. And so just slowly start dropping um, the tactical pieces that will be important so it's not all done in like a two-day span. And in the meantime, making sure that they're enjoying, the, 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 you know, the, coming out to training every day, which is a lot of small-sided stuff, um, a lot of competition stuff, um, because I think that's been the important part. We've been competing um, in training, and I think that uh, that's kind of carried over to the games, and that's an important aspect as well. Pablo Mastroeni joining us for Al Salt Lake's uh, interim manager. Of course, you're the interim manager because Freddie left for Seattle midseason, and now you draw Seattle. And when I heard that, when we realized how everything was breaking there the last day of the season on Decision Day, I thought of you, and I can't remember what game it was, but there was a goal, and you, the camera was on you, and you're doing, the, they got a, you know, there's the mic'd up segment on the broadcast. And so we see you lean your head back, look up at the sky, and scream, the universe! <laughs> and I thought, the universe has brought Freddie together with RSL. What, how much does that matter to the guys? Because obviously there were some guys, I think Rubio Rubin was the most outspoken, but there were some guys, man, that, that, was a, that was a shot upside the head when they heard the news he was leaving for an assistance job in Seattle midseason. Yeah, I think it's... Listen, I think it's, it was it was a tough situation for everyone, um, and, uh, including Freddie. Yeah, it was an easy an easy decision for him as well. Um, myself, I mean, it affected everyone, right? And uh, 
but but I think um, that that's the beauty of sport, and that's and that's how it works. And sometimes coaches get let go, sometimes they leave on their own. Um, but the onus is on those left behind to really pull together and and, and make it happen. And um, and so my challenge to the group was, you know, we can sit here and sulk and, and feel sorry for ourselves, but we all have to crack on because we all have lives to live. Um, and I think they all took that in stride. And and again, I think changing the formation to a three quickly kind of allowed us to separate from what we were doing um, in that time span. But it is it is crazy that 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 we're we're you know we're in Seattle and Freddie was Freddie sent a text over to the staff after after our game. Um, that was nice. And and so. It'll be it'll be a great a great game, um, and obviously with with that side story in mind, I think uh, you know it'll it'll make it that much more uh, interesting as as we embark on the the quest to beat Seattle in Seattle. I'm wondering if it's had actually a unifying effect when you combine what what happened there, and then also with the flux of the ownership situation, maybe us against the world type of mentality. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I think one of the one of the things that has been, you know, tough tough on the guys is not knowing what's going to happen next year. Um, and and you know, just kind of reiterating, we're all in the same boat, myself included. Right. Um, you know, so I think that is yeah, PK. I think that is a unifying moment. Um, and and pulling together and and trying to empathize with these guys because they want to make plans for their futures as well. And um, but it's, it is, it, it galvanized the group. And, uh, I think that's a big part of, of, of the mentality is that we have to do this in here in this locker room because we don't know that anyone else's situation, but we know ours and we know what we want to achieve. And we know that we're all in the same boat. So let's do it together. Is it too obvious and you don't have to point it out or do you want to reiterate it because there are so many guys who can't help but think about, you know, where am I going to be living in January and February? It's not that far away. Uh, that everybody loves a winner and that getting into the playoffs increases all their value and advancing in the playoffs increases all of their value, not only to this club, but potentially to other clubs around the league as well. DJ, that's, that's what I've said from the beginning. I said that's the one, that's the one way to guarantee that you have a, a, a good situation for yourself next year um, is to win. Um, everyone loves winners, and everyone wants a little bit of that magic that's happening in that locker room um, with them. And so that's been a rallying cry from the beginning, especially when um, you know I took over. Um, and, and again, I knew less about people's contractual situations than Freddie did. So um, that was definitely a rallying cry and something that uh, that's really motivated this group for sure. So when you were playing high school soccer for Thunderbird, did you ever play that perennial power Cactus High School? You know, PK, at that time, Cactus, yeah, yeah, we did. We did play Cactus, but I don't know that they, uh, maybe they were actually. Yeah, probably my freshman and sophomore year, they were they were powerhouses. Yeah, you're right. That's the reason why I bring you're that right. up. Their coach, a man named Jack Aldersitz, was the best man at my wedding. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's a small world. Yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, I, uh, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Uh, small world. Wow. <laughs> he was married to my sister, and he was, wow. he was my mentor. He was, he's 10 years older than me, a little bit more, but he was the one guy who got me on the path to where I am today. Without him, I'm not even anywhere close to where I am right now. He was, he was my guy. And he died uh, at 58, way, way, way too young. But he started 
basically is viewed as the godfather of high school soccer in Arizona. In Arizona. Yeah, because yeah. he got it as a sanctioned sport. I remember being at Cactus at the first game, and uh, it was wow. it was a, just a memorable experience because he played soccer back in New Jersey at Glassboro State, which is now Rowan. It's a sore subject. Uh, some guy donated a bunch of money, and they changed the name. And so... He came out west as as our family did, and he started soccer uh, in high school for Arizona. Okay. So he's kind of a, kind of a uh, uh, a forefather for what you were able to accomplish just a, just a few years later. It's amazing, it's, and it's amazing how much it's grown. Because I remember at that time, soccer was just kind of a, a, a whatever sport. And then, but, we, but when we, I, now that you say that about cactus, I remember going there, and they had a packed crowd my first my freshman year. Um, and at that time, I had a broken arm, so I didn't really play. Um, but but I remember the impact. Yeah, I remember that. And as as years went on, obviously, even in, at Thunderbird, my my senior year, we had probably a couple a couple hundred, close to you know five hundred people coming to our games. And so, just to see the growth over the years has been been amazing. Yeah, for sure. The press box is actually the field because they play football there too. But when it's uh, soccer, right. the field is named after him. Huh. So Pablo, not only did you go to the same high school as PK, but fortunately, then your you know your paths diverged. And while he went to Northern Arizona and ASU, you went to NC State. So were you channeling Jim Valvano when you were running up and down the sideline after the goal? Because I couldn't help but think about Valvano in the pit. <laughs> uh, well, my 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 coach uh, George Tarantini was really good friends with uh, George Valvano uh, or Jimmy Valvano. Sorry, um, and. Uh, yeah, I think they were kind of one and the same. And and now that you say that, it, it evokes that memory of my my uh, my college coach running down the sidelines when we scored a goal like that. Um, but that's funny. Yeah, I, I just kind of went blank. I didn't know, what, you know, because at, on the sidelines there we have uh, Theron, who, who's our our head trainer. He's oh, he's the countdown, you know. So when when injury injury time, he'll give you two minutes, uh, minute and a half, one minute. <laughs> 30 seconds. And so we got to 30 seconds. And after 30 seconds, it goes radio silent. There's no more like 10, 9. So it goes 30 seconds. And I'm watching. I said, you know, I'm thinking to myself, we still have a chance. The ball's over here. We still have a chance. And then the ball goes in. And I'm like, oh, my God. The last thing I remember was 30 seconds. And I'm like, there, there can't be much time. And then I go over to the fourth official after the, the, the craziness. And he says, yeah, there's 15 seconds left. And I was like, oh, my God. But, however, with that moment where I kind of lost consciousness and I went running down and I grabbed that ball, uh, the, the fourth official, like, whispered. It was like there was pandemonium, and I'm grabbing this ball off the stand there, and there's, like, a whisper, set, and he says, Pablo, don't do anything stupid with that ball. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I kind of look at because like I had a feeling of just wanting to punt this thing out of the stadium, you know, like like childhood, like ah, just let's let's like let's celebrate. And I heard this whisper, and so I put it back down, and it was just. A really, really interesting moment for sure. Well, and gosh, if you're doing that to get in, I want to see if you should if you should win the whole thing. It's going to be berserk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows what happens if that would be the case. Uh, well, Pablo, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you got a little downtime for the guys who played five, Demir and Albert playing five games in 16 days, so a little downtime for them. And then uh, the 23rd, RSL at Seattle to open the playoffs, and we'll look forward to uh, seeing Freddie again, plus Garth Lagerway and Craig Weibel. It's a lot of RSL alumni working up in Seattle now. 
Yeah, it should be fun. There's Pablo Mastroeni, interim head coach for RSL. When we come back, Joe Ingles with PK and I next. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Utah State returns to Mountain West Conference play with a big trip to the Bay Area for a showdown against the Spartans of San Jose State. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells. Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Joe Ingles joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Joe, we were just talking about your win over Atlanta and how it didn't seem like anyone did anything extraordinary. Everyone kind of did what they do, <laughs> and sure enough, that was good for a double-digit win. Is that how you see it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think... First off, uh, and Coach kind of said it right after, like it's hard to, to beat the same team twice in a row in, in a short period of time. So um, they were coming off a back-to-back last night, or it was the second game of a back-to-back. Um, I think they lost the night before as well. And, and obviously, uh, you know, at that point, and, and I think they had a couple guys out as well, um, and usually teams... In those situations, kind of find that little bit of energy, or there's some guys that don't play that that get to get a chance to play um, and and bring some energy. And so obviously we were we were ready for kind of what what they were going to um, kind of throw at us. And um, obviously Kevin Herder had a good game. Obviously he's um, oh, he's come off the bench I think all this year and. That's a perfect example. A guy gets to start, and he gets, obviously takes advantage of it. But I think overall, um, yeah, just getting back to us a little bit after the last couple of games, and um, yeah, it was a it, it was a good game to obviously first out be at home again, and, and obviously get a, a decent win and, and build off that for tomorrow. I think. So you can go Jokic on Morris on one player in the NBA. Who would it be? No comment. <laughs> Patty Mills. No, <laughs> no, no, come on. That's your best buddy. That doesn't count. You're no. not running over your best. No, nah, I would. Uh, I would never do <laughs> that. That was. It was. Uh, it was interesting. I've, I've never seen him react like that. So obviously, either some stuff was going on in the game. I didn't watch the game. I just saw the clip of it. Um, 
I bet, yeah, he's probably feels like he gets beat up most games down in the block as well and guys play physical with him and he probably was <laughs> enough is enough and he's going <laughs> to I think he said I think I saw his clip of the either the press conference or, or whatever it was and he obviously he actually said he felt bad but he was he, he'd said too he was just defending himself so um, yeah a bit too much in my mind I think he got suspended or he probably will get suspended yeah he got one but, game um, and he probably knew that and you kind of move on. Like I said, now someone in their team will will step in and probably play well, and he'll get a bit of a break. Come on, not LeBron, Westbrook, somebody. Come on. No comment. (laughs) (laughs) The list list would be too long. (laughs) Okay, that's better. Now I like it. There you go. No, I wouldn't. wouldn't, No matter how mad I was, I, I don't think I'd ever react like that. So would you uh, you love to trash talk? Now this is this is uh, you know this is fresh information here. The next time you see one of those guys, is this out of bounds, or you, might you find a way to mention it? We play Miami pretty soon, I think, um, and I only know that because it's a day game and the kids are coming. <laughs> Saturday, the Miller had told uh, Renee had told Miller that they were coming to a game, so she's been talking about it for a few days now. So. Um, oh, I might mention it to uh, the Morris twin, but not in a uh, in a negative way. But have a bit of fun with it. I'm sure. Obviously, again with anything, you obviously hope he's all right first. And uh, I think someone said he was walking around locker room after, so um, I'm sure he'll be he'll be good to go. But yeah, obviously, if it comes up, it comes up. The league has been cracking down on drawing fouls and all that stuff. And there was a thing with, uh, I think it was Trey Young, and it looked like he hooked your arm and all that. And it looked like that was what they're trying to go against. Uh, What did you think of that? Did they give you an explanation? Because it seemed like that was the very thing that they're trying to eliminate. Yeah, I mean, I thought he clearly hooked my arm like there was no other way about it. But um I think in the in the past he he probably ninety eight percent probably would have been shooting or they would have given him free throws then, which is obviously more of the rule change. So I think obviously for them they've got to determine from my understanding of the rule is they've got to determine whether he kind of engages my arm and locks it up and then it is an offensive foul or if it is obviously what they thought last night that my arm either just got caught in there or whatever it was. Um, but obviously the free throw thing is the thing that um, it is getting taken away is the biggest difference in, in all of this. So, um, I mean, I, I think there was a stat or something I saw that all those players that usually shoot whatever, 8, 10, 12, 14 free throws a game is, is all down. Um, and, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, that's what they've wanted. Yeah. Um, whether it be free throws or, or whatever it is, but the the point of, yeah, not kind of manipulating the game, I guess, in not even in a negative way, but just uh, it's not necessarily the way we grew up playing basketball, right. like trying to find contact and, and get to the free throw line. Obviously, there was guys in the league that had found ways to, to do it and do it really well. Um and I like kind of like, like it's kind of like credit to them. Like why, if there's a rule that you can kind of manipulate and, and get 10 free throws off, why wouldn't you do that if you're playing the amount of minutes to, to do that? Um, 
it's free points and usually most guys are pretty good at free throws and um, so obviously that's the kind of the, the key behind it is just trying to I don't know if it like opens up the game more or whatever their kind of reasoning was but yeah just just more of I guess the, the biggest thing is it not being like a necessary like in my mind you, as a kid we didn't grow up doing that we right. would if you got fouled shooting you got fouled but if not then you just play <laughs> um, so it has been I, I think there's it's definitely been different and, and guys have been trying to like we, we've had our fair share of like thinking Donovan got fouled or thinking Rudy got fouled like whatever whoever it was at a certain time and, and they're letting stuff go so yeah as a as a team and as players you've just got to figure out how they're calling the game in a particular game and for the season and, and adjust and I think we've done a we've done a pretty good job I think Donovan's had like one offensive foul this year through it but, but apart from that I think we've been pretty good so, I don't I don't know if you're the perfect guy to ask this, but you're the one on our show, so I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, this offensive, you know, the whole way the game is being refereed, some people are saying, well, that's why three-point shooting is down. The Jazz numbers, are, as a team, have been way below. Uh, now, yours, you're shooting 43%. You're, you're basically just doing what you're doing, which is why you're not maybe the perfect guy to ask this. But the Jazz numbers are down. The numbers all across the league are down. Even the teams that are shooting it, pretty well at the top of the league stats aren't where teams at the top of the league stats are. And people have said it's the new ball. People have said it's the way the game is being refereed. It's definitely not the bloody ball. <laughs> All right. It's not the bloody ball. Uh, some people are saying it's just a couple weeks lighten up. When you look back in two or three weeks from now, the numbers will be back to normal. What do you think about that, given you're a guy who is pretty much shooting what he shot the last few years? Yeah, I mean... Um... I mean, I like. I think. I think I said it last. Like, I would never blame the ball or whatever refereeing or like if I felt like I wasn't shooting well or whatever it was, I would kind of with myself and and Bailey try and figure out like what am I doing wrong or am I not getting good shots or am I taking bad shots or like why is my percentage down um, for a month or for a week or or whatever it is. Um, I think there's some games that you. You might shoot bad in a game and it might just be like you just didn't... I mean, there's so many things like you didn't catch the ball right on one of them. You didn't, just didn't have that feeling. It's what what we go through. Is Sometimes you just don't have that like kind of like that touch of like how, how, how sometimes it feels like you're never going to miss and sometimes it feels like you can't kick it in the ocean. Like it's one of those things. Um, the refereeing... I don't think it plays a massive part because the rules are still like if you shoot a three and they land in your space or you get hit on the arm or the, like they kind of hit your body is like you're still getting shots for them. It, like the hooking rule and the, the they're the they're the kind of biggest rule changes I guess. So um, I mean I think for our team. We actually talked about it, or Coach talked about it the other day. Like, for us to have the record we're having, and I think we're up there still pretty high in, like, offensive rating in terms of how we're playing. We're still getting good shots. We're still moving the ball like we kind of usually do. There's, there's different times that we don't. There's different times that we will shoot better than others, obviously. But um, our, our shooting... Number, I think more mainly our three point percentage is down on what it was last year and, and probably previous years. But 
Um, the flip side of that, like we're still whatever our record is, and we're still playing reasonably well and winning games. Um, so it's like, oh, well, those for us, those numbers we feel like are going to even out eventually, um, whether it be sooner or later. Or, I think we, as a team, pride ourselves in in trying to get the best shot every time. And I think if we keep doing that, then obviously our percent we're going to get be getting open looks. And, and overall, we're a pretty good shooting team. If you look at our roster, so um, yeah, I mean we don't, we haven't kind of I guess dove into it that much. Coach will obviously bring it up at different times and, and talk about it and. Um, but yeah, I think over the course of a year, and even individuals like, I mean, JC is a good example, just because it's probably more of an obvious one. Like he's had a couple of bad shooting games. Like JC is not going to be like that all year. Like I would be so confident in saying that that he's his numbers will go to where they probably either usually are or or maybe better. And I mean, a part of it too. I think for our team is like JC was just the sixth man of the year. Like they're going to scout him. We were, we just had the best record. We like Donovan is done. Like guys are preparing for us. Guys are going to, teams are going to give us their best shot. Teams are going to prepare for JC because they saw what he did last year and, and what he did against certain teams and they're, they're going to be ready for him. So we've all gone through that as individuals and, and obviously as, as, as a team. So um, yeah, there's so many factors that kind of go into it but I think at the end of the day I think our numbers will always be give or take what they normally are because we do play the right way and we get good shots and we um, again will more 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 than not make those shots How long does it generally take for new teammates to assimilate and everybody's together knowing what they're going to do? Oh it's always different um, obviously individuals sometimes take longer than others to, to pick up the whole concepts of, of how you're playing and I mean if you're moving around teams every year you, you it might even just be the wording of it. I think Hassan was saying to coach one day like what what we call channel they would call something else yeah. like it's just little things like that that and what they called channel might be another word that we use for something else so as in the heat of the moment he hears that word and he thinks we're doing something different it's just like Little little bits and pieces, and obviously, as you guys know, our game plan is pretty um, in depth, and the the wording is is different. <laughs> Coach prides himself on um, quirky words. Just <laughs> he, he even says part of it's like funny, so that we probably remember it better because it is like a funny word or or, or the way he'll explain it. But um, yeah, it always takes time, and uh, I mean, we're lucky we've only got really a couple new guys and um, they've been really good like Rudy Gay obviously has mainly been watching practice and, and being involved here and there but picking things up at practice and, and Hassan's obviously playing in the games Eric's playing in the game so you're picking up on the fly some of it but um, yeah we've we've been pretty good you can always obviously you always want to be a little bit tighter in something or, or understand something a bit better or, or whatever it is but um, yeah, we're, we're in a pretty good spot, and, and again, like I said, we're we're still winning games for the most part. Um, I mean, you lose to a pretty tough team in Miami, obviously Chicago and Chicago, and a, a young, kind of energetic um, team that came out on the front foot in Orlando that we was probably 
more our fault than them playing. Like we feel like if we'd done a couple more things here and there, we'd probably win that game. So, um, yeah, we we feel like we're in a pretty good spot all around. Joe Ingles joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. As a guy with a family, how excited do you get when you look at the schedule and see 9 out of 11 at home? You're going to be home with the kids until December. There's no long road That's trips. That's the kids. Kids. I'm sorry, my Australian accent blows. <laughs> Not as good as you are. Um, you have a quality one, PK. Yes, very, very excited. Um, I think especially with having like a, whatever it was, six, seven-day trip, and then we were home for like 48 hours, and then we went on another week-long trip so um, I mean obviously you guys know that my family is very very much higher on the priority list than anything else and just to be able to take them to school I just dropped Miller off at school then and, and be able to pick her up later and, and take her to swimming this afternoon and, and just be somewhat regular <laughs> try and be a, a regular dad that does things for his kids obviously there for his kids it's not in another state or traveling or, or doing something with his, with, with work. So, um, yeah, be able to spend time with Jack and obviously be now with Renee back from the, the marathon and all that as well, just to be able to, to all be home at the same time and spend some time together. And, um, Renee's mum's in town. So for Renee to spend some time with her mum now and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very, uh, relaxing. Ah, so the grandma has come. Is that the first time to see? Well, he's not a new. He's still a newborn to an extent, but uh, what about a year? Yeah, a newborn that turns one next week. Yeah. Um, yes, first time um, of her. Well, him meeting anyone. <laughs> he's lived a pretty sheltered life this past year. Um, but even yeah, obviously for Jack to to meet her and, and obviously her spend time with her, but for Renee to see him, it's been two and a half years since she saw her mum, which is um, pretty yeah, hard. So, that long, huh? Yeah. Um, I mean, the last time, this is a, probably the perfect example, but the last time she saw the twins, Jacob was nonverbal. And Jacob's ah. at a level now that, like, he speaks better than we do. Can't get him to <laughs> shut up now. He's, yeah, he doesn't <laughs> shut up. He's like uh, you on the court. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like for her to hear his voice for the first time and um, like be able to ask her for things and, and talk to her, it's obviously a pretty emotional thing for her as well to, to be able to see that. But that just kind of shows you how how long it's been. And obviously we understand it's the world we live in and there's a lot of people probably going through that as well. But um, yeah, it's, it's been, Miller was pretty excited. Miller and her are, are very close and um so it's been good. She's been here for oh, coming up ten days now. She leaves on leaves this weekend. So um, yeah, that's uh, it's good. But then Renee's heading back as well. Renee will get the summer there for. She's going to go home for like four or five weeks after Christmas to see everybody else and let Jack meet the family and all the borders in Australia have started to open up. So um, life's getting to somewhat normal again. So Renee and the kids are going. They are. They're leaving me. So I'll be uh, I'll be extremely miserable for about four, <laughs> four or five weeks. So if anyone uh, wants to try and question me, that's why, and they can. I won't say the words I want to say, but um, so you'll be yeah, grouchier be than normal. I will be <laughs> on some days. The first night I'll have a really good sleep and it'll be really exciting, and then I'll get over it after that. Um, but yeah, it's 
they're going to go just after Christmas. So we'll obviously have Christmas together because that was a bit of a non-negotiable. And Renee obviously understands that I want to have Christmas with the kids and obviously Jack's, Jack's first Christmas. Um, but then, yeah, a couple of days after that, they'll head home and it's summer in Australia then as well. And um, I mean, it's as bad as it will be for me they, they need to go home they need to see family they need to see friends and cousins and Renee's brother's got one and a half year old twins that we've never met and um, a lot a lot's changed in two and a half years since the last time we were able to go home so it'd be, so, it'd be good for her to get back and, and see everybody twins run in the family then huh yeah it's kind of disgusting isn't it <laughs> um, yeah her brother had uh, little twin girls. Obviously, we've got twins. Her aunties are twins. Her aunties are the twins had twins. <laughs> um, so her, Renee's actually got a younger sister that probably isn't exactly ready to have kids right now, but uh, is scared of the fact of <laughs> that two, two, two out of two of the siblings have had twins, and she's the third. And um, yeah, it's good times. Busy, busy, busy times when we go home. Well, Joe, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, that's all That's all out there in January. You're, you're, you're home with the kids for a few weeks now, so you can soak that up, and Jazz fans are looking forward to going to a bunch of home games. That is true. I'll probably, by the time that comes around them going home, I'll probably be ready for them to leave. But then <laughs> 24 hours later, I'll be, I'll be the grumpy guy that you mentioned, grouchy or whatever you said. Yeah, gr- grouchy. Yeah, got it. I'll just come to you. Make sure uh, you guys have dinner cooked for me and stuff. Oh, easy. Oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. We'll have you I've already told my teammates and all the Miller School friends, parents, that any night that they want, want to have me over for dinner, I'll be more than happy to, uh, <laughs> to come over. All right. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, guys. There is Joe Ingalls. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. That was good. You know, good to be back. The crowd, the atmosphere, you know, whether it's the fourth quarter, trying to get them to miss some tree tree um, Kentucky fried chicken or, or Kentucky Chick-fil-A. I mean, like that, I think, is, you know, it gives us a boost. You know, it's always good to be back, sleeping in your own bed and all that. So we have a homestand. We got to take care of our home court coming up, but it's definitely good to be back. Donovan Mitchell after the Jazz got the win over Atlanta. Now here come the Indiana Pacers, five in a row at home. The Jazz only on the road two more times the rest of the month. A chance to pile up the victories. Tip off tonight, 7 o'clock. The Pacers got beat in Denver. No Jokic, didn't matter. This ought to be another W, right, PK? No excuses. I've told you, if sleeping in your own bed is an issue, then just bring the beds on the road. Right? I mean, they pay all this money. You basically have people at the facility. If, if you, uh, you know, you eat a barbecue sandwich and you get the little barbecue on your side, boom, they got somebody to wipe for you. So bring your own beds. Sweet. But <laughs> I can tell you, my last year in college, <laughs> I rarely slept in my own bed. Why? Because I didn't turn shit. No, and it was not steer- that. Why are you telling me this? <laughs> 7.06 a.m. We're off to a flying yeah, right? start. <laughs> If you're in your car at 7, you don't know. This is what he's like at 9 all the time. 
Sleeping in your own beds. I love that cliche. You know, At least you follow up with all that stuff. Just like, uh, you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say it. Just go out and win ball games. Well, they had a win tonight. Denver beat Indiana 101-98. Pacers have to go back-to-back. Will they ever play a team that doesn't have a back-to-back? Probably. Jazz game night's pregame show tips off at 6 o'clock. I bet you. Go ahead. Finish. And the game begins at 7. I bet you in the playoffs they get teams on back-to-back. The other team. Let's get to the NBA. The league loves the Jazz now. Come on. Hashtag NBA. Durant on the drive, right to the rim, and a two-hand slam. Right down Main Street. In the paint, Caruso slips to the floor and recovers. Comes away with a steal. Down the floor, on the runway. A 3-16 slam dunk. Zach Levine. Looney waiting for Andre. Feeds him. Andre back to the basket, guarded by Towns. Finds the cutter. Wiggins wide open for a dunk. And again, two defenders went with Curry. And Malik's going to have to shoot. With one, Malik Monk, two steps, throws it in. He threw it in to beat the buzzer. What a shot by Malik. That was an incredible delivery. Highlights from around the NBA. Malik Monk, big shot. Some dramatic games, some blowouts. Lakers held off the heat in overtime, 120-117. Russell Westbrook had a triple-double. I would probably release LeBron. Just let him go? Well... You know, he's active on Twitter. Get get in the politics and save the world. Lakers are 7-5 and five without you. At least your version of it. Save a lot of money. Free Russell. Phoenix Suns, who went to the NBA Finals last year, battled the Jazz for the top spot in the West. They beat the Blazers 119-109. The Suns improved to 7-3, and three, just a half game behind the Jazz. Frank Kaminsky went off. Well, yeah, every time I look at a Suns box score, I go right to Crowder. How'd he shoot? <laughs> you like to see the, the heat check? Yeah, yeah. 0 for 7. They probably, 6 for 8. Yeah, I mean, he's, he has such variance. 2 for 9. Right. 9 for 11. It's never like, a, you know, a 5 for 12 or something. It's either all in or all out. And he makes him much better when he's making it. And then Kaminsky. Look out. He was thinking, hey, if they don't sign me to a max deal, I'm... I'm P.O.'d. Forget you, DeAndre Ayton. Kaminsky having the game of his life. Wow. And the, I look, they see, see Marvin Bagley. They uh, Apparently he didn't want to go in on uh, Monday at the end. So he got a DMP last night. Man, he's a second pick. Second pick. Luke Walton went to him, and he didn't want any part of it. And then it was, you know, you got Dantage there, you got Trey Young there, and I have to go through the rest of the guys. I'm sure there's other guys. Man, that that's going to be, I mean, nothing will be the Sam Bowie thing because I don't know that anybody below is going to win six titles a la MJ. But what a screw-up. There were better players, even if it wasn't MJ. There were much better players. Yeah, Doncic is he's he's a bona fide Hall of Famer. He's going. There's no doubt about it. He had 20 points and 10 assists last night. Wasn't enough though. The Bulls beat the Mavericks 117-107. Bulls, man, on the come. How about that? Eight and three, identical record to the Jazz. Looking good. And they own the tiebreaker. Got 23 from Zach Levine and. 21 from Lonzo Ball. Gets down to the conference championship. They own the tiebreaker. There it is. Win the division. The Bulls are back last night. Yeah. What division are they in? 
I don't know. I just use this east-west standings. Central division? Sure. Whatever. Well, you need to know that because people want to know. All right. Hold on. I'll figure it out here in a minute. We know it's not the Atlantic. We know it's not the northwest. It's the central. Okay. The division championship means a lot. Utes are going for it, so the Aggies are going for it, so don't try to downgrade it. Warriors' best record in the NBA. They beat Minnesota 123-110. Andrew Wiggins had some fun at the expense of his old team. He went for 35 points. He dunked on Carl Anthony Towns a couple times. Enjoyed that. That's my guy. Looney was loony. Warriors improved to 10-1. and one. Everybody else has at least three losses, but they're at 10-1. I'd cut Clay Thompson. He would not. He's getting in the way. I don't need you. He is not. They're 10-1 without him. They don't, he'd only provide a one-game difference. That's not good enough. They might need him later. Bucks beat the Knicks 112-100. Milwaukee back to 500 now, 6-6. Six and six. What's his face? Kayvon Thibodeau benched his starters there in the fourth quarter. <coughs> turn on the NBA network. I turn it on a little bit now more since it's in season. Boom. This morning, driving in. They're talking about the Knicks. Click. <laughs> <laughs> I want somebody to call him actually call him Kayvon in an interview. <laughs> Celtics are back within a game of 500. They pounded the Raptors 104 to 88. Rare route for Boston. They're still 5 and 6. Trying to dig out of that early season hole. Jimmy Butler sprained his ankle, left that loss in L.A. Got to keep an eye on that because the Heat are going to be here on Saturday. He only played 12 minutes in that game. See if the Heat are going to be shorthanded when they come into town to play the Jazz Saturday afternoon. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Well, PK, you were just talking about how BYU is now recruiting for the Big 12 when they're talking to mission kids and Colin Chandler, Farmington High Star, expected to go on a mission and then enroll at BYU 2024. He's a Big 12 recruit. And when he comes back, he'll be on a mission to take BYU to the 2024 Final Four. High goals. Colin Chandler. I already got his jersey. I don't think you do. Dad is a Ute fan, season ticket holder, U of U grad. Uh-uh. I'm taking you, Mark Pope says. You're coming with me. Sorry, Craig T. Smith. It's not happening. This is gigantic. With the emphasis on jai. I don't know why, but it just well, sounds yeah, good. I was about to ask you why. <laughs> <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. It would be nice to have an apology, <laughs> Mac. It would be nice to have an apology, but uh, I mean, it's not going to happen. And um, I mean, however the NFL handles it, it's, it's, it's on them. I would just like to play them again. And uh, I wish all my fellow uh, DN brothers happy hunting. And that's all. Who was that, Zach Wilson? That was Brian Burns. He's oh. upset with Mac Jones. Mac. Rolling his ankle, grabbing and rolling. So, happy hunting to all the DNs who might be hitting Mac from the blind side. Why is it the blind, the blind side? I mean, I know we got the movie, but don't you can't, can't you just see both sides? If, and if I look to my left, isn't the right the blind side? 
Thursday night football, Ravens and Dolphins. Baltimore 6-2. Baltimore and Tennessee, the last two lost teams in the AFC, fighting for the best record over there. The Dolphins, a horrible 2-7. And and who's the quarterback for those guys now? Is it Chad Henney? Joe Flacco? <laughs> Joe Flacco. Flacco's with the Jets. I know. He was last week. Good point. I know. He was standing over there with Zach Wilson. I saw that. Uh, but, but who they got? His two was hurt all the time, isn't he? Tua has been hurt, yes. He's been in and So out. who's their quarterback? I don't know who's backing up when he's gone. They're 2-7. and seven. Right. i got to admit, I'm not watching Dolphin football or paying much attention at all. They're Miami. They got rolled. I'm not surprised. But I'll be watching a little bit until the Jazz game starts tonight. Get the first quarter in. Jacoby, uh, Jacoby Brissett. Brissett. Ah, Brissett. That's right. Yeah. 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 Hope he does well. Odell Beckham Jr., Chiefs, Packers, or Saints all looking at him after he exits in Cleveland. Got a favorite there? If you were advising him, which you're not, but if you were, where would you send Odell Beckham Jr.? I'd probably go, uh, he's a drama king, so I think that Andy Reid knows how to handle drama kings. But then if you go to Green Bay, maybe you're under the radar because they got so much drama over there that they don't much know your shenanigans over here. You're a wide receiver. We got we got a quarterback and MVP, a Super Bowl winner. We're gonna we're gonna handle his drama. Right. And and Shalane Woodley, she likes the drama. I, I never got over that he just dumped that race car driver with Dana Kapatrick. I thought they were gonna be a nice, as you guys would say, eternal couple. I thought I thought that was real love, but no, he just discarded. And then Olivia Wilde. I mean, this guy—he's like a female Kardashian. And even them, you know. Well, I can't get into that. DJ and PK. Hashtag College Football. PK, the Utes land to recruit Lander Barton. Barton family been a few athletes. I guess he would be the sixth. At least, we've gone up to you. His sister's an All-American there. His two brothers played football there. Cody and Jackson, both his parents played there. Lander Barton. Grandma. Should have seen her back in the day. Back in, back in the day. Up in Idaho. Michelle's mother. That's a real first name. Cal coach Justin Wilcox said his team followed all the proper protocols before a COVID-19 outbreak that led to dozens of positive tests and the first postponement of a major college football game this season. They didn't have Chase Garbers, their quarterback, six other starters. Last week, 24 players, assistant coaches out. Now they pushed USC back to December. And Jed Fish says, so what? We're taking it. We'll take the W. We lost 20 in a row. You know what's cool about the Barton kid is my wife didn't know about the other ones, the older ones, because they lived up in Park City and then they moved down to Sandy. So the, the, this boy went to, to... So she knew Lander in junior high? Sixth grade, she told me, wow, this kid, man, he is something. Blah, 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 blah. And she had no idea. She since obviously knows, but at the time, and she's, you know, we've talked to the mom a thousand times in the just around the community mm-hmm. and very nice people Paul the dad uh, got to know him a little bit he does he did the chains his wife told me he did the chains at uh, Brighton football games he wanted to be down by the action then she says 
And, you know, also so he can coach his son a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Had a little something to say as the chains went up and down the sideline. Yeah. <laughs> and the way she said it made me laugh. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's cool to see somebody that you've literally known. And uh, one time down at Pac-12 Media, uh, Pac-12 Media Day, we always stay the same. I've, I've told you that hotel that I stay at, the Spring Hill down there in Manhattan Beach. And they were having beach volleyball at Hermosa, so we check in like on uh, Monday night before the thing, or, or no, uh, Thursday night, Friday night, I forget, whatever. Uh, and down the hall is this kid. So he looks at my wife, hey, what are you doing here? She looks at him, what are you doing here? <laughs> and they were there for the daughter was playing beach volleyball. Sure. Yeah, so we went out uh, the next day and watched her play. And... Uh, it was fun to watch them. Yeah. She's an All-American at the U now. So. Yeah, yeah. Crushing sure. it. Yeah. Well, he passed on uh, Michigan and uh, Oregon, Texas. Oh, yeah. The mom, uh, last time I spoke to her, uh, she was laying out the uh, itinerary of the boys' travel, where he was going. Just got back from here, was going there, then was going over this one. And they're all big names. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad that he stayed. I mean, not that they care what I think, but uh, I just get tired of these studs going out of state. You know it's bothered me in Arizona for 30 years. I've talked about it, and, and I, it bugs me. The only one that doesn't bug me is Stanford. But everybody else, it bugs me. Everybody else really isn't offering that much more than you're getting offered here. Whereas Stanford is a one-of-a-kind experience off the charts. Yeah, the, the truth is now... The academics at Stanford are Especially incredible. with BYU going to the Big 12, you can, whatever those other places, and Stanford's got the academics, so you put them off to the side. But what everybody else is offering, you can get it right here. You can get a high, great coaching, great training, great facilities, great fan base. BYU-Utah, they offer it all, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, everybody makes their own mind up, and you do what you do. And some kids are just want to go out of state. So be it. But I'm just saying, and I don't criticize them. They can do whatever they want. But it just bothers me when these studs go out of state. Because you can get everything you want here. I've been to these programs. I've been in these programs. I know these coaches. We all do. And they're great programs that offer you just everything else that everybody else is going to offer you. Stanford's got the education. So you get, a, you get your education paid for at Stanford. I'll drive you over there. Okay, thirteen hours. Let's go. Right, but I'm just saying that's I get that completely. The MAC announced they're not going to expand. Ever since Oklahoma and Texas moved, it's been dominoes. Well, who's the Big Twelve going to get? And they're going to take teams from the American. And who's the American going to get? And they're going to take teams from Conference USA. The Mac I'm more was, of a Pizza Hut guy than Dominoes. MAC was looking at Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee State. He was it's not happening. All right, good for Mac. The Mac, not Ron McBride. He is, the, in my mind, he's the he's Mac. He's the Mac. <laughs> As opposed to the Mid-American Conference. Institution around here. Police charged Georgia linebacker Adam Anderson with felony rape on Wednesday. A 21-year-old woman uh, accused him, and he has denied the allegations through his attorney. He voluntarily turned himself into police on Wednesday. He's a likely first-round pick. Now, his attorney said, though, we've got to have the evidence out. Yep. And, and in this country, obviously, we know what the legal system is about there. The innocent 
until proven otherwise. Uh, it doesn't look good, obviously, but uh, you got to let it play out. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, Riley Jensen, our college football insider, mental performance coach, coming up at 8 o'clock. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst, joins us next. Stay with us. The new zone lineup is here with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, <coughs> soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. Lincoln Kennedy going to join us here momentarily, our Pac-12 analyst and Raider analyst. Feel like you got the handle on the Pac-12 now? It's pretty much all laid out in front of you. I don't know that I can say to what degree of certainty. I mean, I think Utah is, is just a slam dunk, obviously, to uh, represent the South. Uh, and, and I expect Oregon to do that also. But I'm not guaranteeing it. I feel less certain about them. But they've been playing well enough, and that's all you need to do is play well enough. Linky Kennedy, Raider Radio Analyst, Pac-12 Network Analyst, joins us now on the Smart Rain Guest Line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain has given free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Good we got Ute fans who can see the Pac-12 title game. It is so close now. Their magic number is two, and they got Arizona and Colorado on their schedule. And ASU might lose a game along the way. So it's easy to see what Ute fans are thinking in the south. Over in the north, though, there's a big game with Oregon coming up a week from Saturday for the Utes. But is Oregon still going to be in first place? Because if Washington State beats them this week, the Cougars take it over. Got any thoughts on that game? <laughs> You know what? Here's the thing. As many times as I've said Washington State uh, doesn't look like a, they, they belong, it's a way to surprise me and, and put themselves in contention. But, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a little joke out there. I find I think the, 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 the Cougars are going to find a way to cook it when it's all said and done and mess it up. <laughs> yeah, you look at what's going on there. Uh, in, in the conference, it's really crazy. The Devils this week will play a team that has an interim coach for the third consecutive game. I don't know if that's ever been done because uh, obviously you had SC, Washington State, and now with the situation at Washington, Jimmy Lake. You're a Washington alum, so I know the program is dear to you. Uh, I thought Lake was just going to hit the ground running. He reminded me, and I said this on the air the other day, he reminded me of Mel Tucker. When I looked at Mel Tucker's resume when he took over at Colorado, I remember telling him this at Pac-12 Media Day because we go down and broadcast. He's like, well, what took so long? 
clearly you've done everything that you needed to do to get a head coaching position. And he was only at Colorado for a year and is now doing great work over there at Michigan State. We'll see what happens going forward. And I felt the same way with Jimmy Lake. Like, all right, you're ready for this. This is something that you've earned the right to get. And it's not turning out. And and he's suspended for smacking a player and all that. And there's all sorts of rumors that he's done and a buyout. Uh, I think when some quarterback, was it you, Millen, or somebody? I can't remember. Went on Seattle radio mm-hmm. and said that uh, a buyout is underway. What do you make of all that? Mm-hmm. Just a big mess. Um, I'm I'm pretty close with uh, Jennifer Cohen, the athletic director. And, you know, I kind of feel sorry for the program because when – Peterson uh, sort of anointed and, and promoted uh, Lake to, to the position of head coach after he stepped down. Um, there were a lot of people, including myself, thinking, well, it's in good hands. I mean, you look what he's seen. He's done with yeah. the defense. And yeah. they, they've seen solid stuff like that. But it just hasn't It hasn't really taken a hold. I, I know the, the young men in the program love him. I know the guys and the kids love him. Um, I've heard nothing but great things. But – you know, this season was was not to be what expected. There was inconsistencies on, 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 you know, basically on all sides of the ball. And then, of course, you know, firing your offensive coordinator and trying to move on with them um, just kind of added on top of, you know, the whole thing about him shoving a player and, and being called on national television. So it's just a mess. I don't know how you get a hold of it. But the thing is that Washington, as you guys know, is, is too big of a program to let it slide for long. I don't think it's going to be down for long, but they've got to make some uh, they've got to make some hard choices. And I really don't know what the future is for Lake, to be honest with you. I don't know if he's going to stay or if he's going to go, if they're going to buy him out. But I do know this, that from what I've seen around the, the conference especially, Washington has got to get in line with this NIL stuff that's going on, and they've got to find a way to get – the premier recruits because the other schools like Nike U, like Oregon and stuff like that are, are doing it. And, you know, they've got, you know, for their guy, for, for Thibodeau, you talk about all the stuff that he's got going on. People and kids are seeing that. And this is something that has to happen if you're going to compete. You can sit there and say what you want about academic standards and everything else. You can hold true to that. But you're going to start losing a lot more recruits to these surrounding schools because they're doing it and you're not. So obviously, uh, everybody with an opening, Washington if they have one, USC has one, maybe UCLA one day, would want Chris Peterson. Do you think he's done, done, really done, or is he the guy who takes a little time off and at some point pops up somewhere down the line? You know, when I saw Coach Pete, when was it? Um, It was right before COVID happened. I saw him in Las Vegas at an event. And I just asked him straight up. I was like, you know, what, why'd you step down? You were doing so well. He, he was physically and mentally exhausted. You could see it in his face. He told me straight up, he's like, you know, I, I just want a chance to enjoy life. I've coached for so long. I've done so many things that I want to enjoy life. And I believe him. But I do know this. Just like with other coaches or other people we've seen, that bug comes back to bite you one way or the other, whether you want to get back out there. I don't know to what extent. I don't think he ever coaches again, guys. That's just my personal feeling. But I know there might be an extent where he has to be around football, maybe as an athletic director or some sort of you know liaison or something like that. But I just don't know if he's gone forever. What do you think about a program playing New Mexico State this late in the season this week? It kind of stinks. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing, doing the same thing that the, that the the other schools do. You know, Alabama played Troy between Auburn and, and LSU or something like that, and. Um, I, I can't stand it. I'm, I'm, I'm still one of those guys that thinks Power 5 schools should play Power 5 schools all the time. 
and not sit there and, and try to play the schedule game where you schedule a bye or something like that late in the season or, or a cupcake. Uh, but I, I, I don't really, I really don't like it uh, when you think about it. And then I wish I'm hoping that someday it's going to change. I wouldn't mind if they play group of five, if they play good group of five, but you schedule New Mexico State, so there's no chance you accidentally yeah. play a good group of five team. And now Alabama's favored by 51.5 points, which seems like a gigantic yeah. waste of time for everybody. It is. It really is. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, as long as they let them do it, it's going to happen. And, and Alabama's notoriously done it for quite some time. That's why, to me, that whole conference is so top-heavy because they don't have to go through the gauntlet like the Pac-12 does. We have to play nine uh, nine games, and any given day you can see somebody get upset or beat. Um, you know, you got schedules like that that make it favorable for you to coast through until you need somebody else in, you know, in the bowl game or towards the end of the season. A lot of people around here, they, they're a little bit skeptical of the Utes. You know, it's a little bit of Charlie Brown and Lucy pulling the ball back. It is either <laughs> they had the issues in November, then they cleared them up in November, and then they went into December. Uh, you know, at the at the title game there, they've lost a couple of those games. They're this close to the Rose Bowl, and it looks like right now that they're going to get Oregon. They got them next week, obviously at home, and then it looks like they're going to get them that first week in Vegas. Uh, I think this is their best chance since they've been in the conference to go to the Rose Bowl. I think things are working for them, and not not in a mysterious way. Maybe a little bit. Uh, maybe they got some other thing going on, uh, some kind of power. But I think that the team has really come together. And so I believe that uh, that it's basically a a wash or try to pick them, I guess you'd call it, between Oregon and Utah when we get to that point. How do you see it? Well, I, I mean, I loved Utah for a while. I loved Devin Lloyd and, and the way the defense has played. Um, I've just been impressed, especially what they did to Stanford. I mean, that was a real beatdown. Um, and then I think the same thing is going to happen this this week when they play Arizona. I'm actually doing that game with Pac-12 Network and Brock Bernstein, so I'll get another chance to see them up close. I think this is I agree with you. I think this is Utah's best chance to make a strong run for a Pac-12 championship. Um, I'm I'm not all as in, as equally impressed with Oregon. I haven't been all year. I said they were just they've got been fortunate, but they you know Oregon's found themselves a, a place to win. And I'm you know to be honest, I'm a little mixed about it because though. They're the Ducks, and I hate the Ducks, and I'm a dog. Um, but the, the, the fact is that I want somebody to be a, a, a part of the, the playoff, football playoff. Right. And it's, it's Oregon who has the best chance of doing that. So it's like I'm a little mixed, but I don't think that Oregon's good enough to beat Georgia. I don't think they can even beat Ohio State again, if you, if you, if you really know one of the truth, even on a neutral term. So I'm a little conflicted on how I should feel about Oregon. But I, you know, your question is regarding where Utah, I like Utah. I like Utah's football. I like Utah's chance uh, of winning the thing. And once they take care of business, you know, this week against Arizona, I don't think they're going to have a problem. And then uh, it's going to be a tough challenge for them to beat Oregon twice. Um, but I think they're capable of doing it. Pac-12 Network analyst Lincoln Kennedy joining us. He's also a Raider radio analyst. And I am uh, curious what you thought of the loss to the Giants. Because right about the time, everybody thought, man, they're 5-2 and two, and they could beat the Giants 6-2. and two. Maybe these Raiders are, despite all the distractions off the field, these guys could really be good. And then what happened in the second half? Good grief. Well, well, you're not surprised. The Raiders notoriously have trouble coming out of the bye for whatever reason it is. And, you know, to be honest, it was Derek Carr's worst game, in my opinion, and the least accurate that he's been. His accuracy 
has put them over the top in many games, most notably the Philadelphia game a couple weeks ago. But he was inaccurate for whatever reason this this past weekend against the Giants, and they got to have that. Um, this is the, the Raiders are still a decent football team, in my opinion. I, I've said all along I think they're going to be able to go to the playoffs. I didn't say they're going to go deep in the playoffs, but I think they're going to be going going to playoffs. But this is a classic case of, you know, as my partner put it, Brent Musburger, any given Sunday, anybody can be beaten. And that's exactly what happened. I I played in those types of games. I had those games happen to me where we walk off the field like, did we just lose to them? <laughs> um, and, 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 and see it go around. But it happens. It happens. you got to keep remembering. On, and I tell people all the time, hey, those guys on the other side of the ball get paid too. So, so they're out there fighting hard too. But it was, it was a, a miserable performance going back east. Um, and I'm hoping that they can rebound, you know, Sunday night against the Chiefs because this this game has carries a lot much more weight than the Giants did. Well, it certainly does. Yeah, as I looked at the numbers to prepare to talk to you, I've seen that the Raiders are really good at pass plays above 20, above 30 yards, and the Chiefs mm-hmm. defensively in those categories stink. So uh, now they've had some issues. The Raiders obviously with receivers, um, and I don't know if they got enough power outside of the tight end and Renthro, but do you think they would have be able to have success in the aerial attack getting the ball downfield? The numbers say that they should. Yes, they, they will. And and I think that, like I said a moment ago, when uh, when Derek played against the, the Raiders played against the Eagles, his accuracy put them over the top. And they had a number of guys, I think, for big plays, 20-plus yards. I'm not sure of the exact number right in front of me. But um, you know, he hit a number of guys. And they had some times where, uh, you know, in this Giants game where they had it. The Giants, I mean, honestly, the Giants, the way they played defense, they weren't going to allow a lot of big plays. And there were a couple of throws. There was a wide open um, Darren Waller on a, on a sluggle route that they, he could have hit for a touchdown, but he missed him uh, and a couple other times. But that being said, the Chiefs defense has been porous at, at best. Um, the last year, the second time when they, the Chiefs played the Raiders uh, in, in Allegiant Stadium, they had a plan on how to shut down the Raiders, and they gated a lot of the offensive things that the Raiders did. But since John Gruden is no longer calling plays, and it's been a little bit of a changeup, there's a little there, there's a little bit more of a challenge for the Chiefs to come in and slow down the Raiders. The thing is, is when you're playing the Chiefs, you got to remember you got to score touchdowns. So you don't don't settle for field goals. You got to score touchdowns, and I expect the Raiders to be aggressive. So, what kind of impact do you expect Deshaun Jackson to have, and how quickly do you think Deshaun Jackson can have an impact? Minimum, I think, and what I, what I mean by this, minimum to start with, I think the big playability is going to be out there having him on the football field, seeing how the defense is going to address, uh, adjust him. But in all honesty, I think that you're probably going to get about six featured, six, seven featured plays to him in this game plan, um, if that. Um, the, 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 the good thing is, is that the terminology is very similar for what he did at the Rams to what the Raiders do. So very similar, and, and, and so it'll be able, it'll, won't be as big of a, a learning curve. But if you say on offense, you, you average and get about 65, 70 plays a game, I think there will probably be five, six where Deshaun Jackson is featured, where they honestly tried to get the ball to him. I don't know if Kansas City is going to adjust to it or how they're going to adjust to it, but I, I think that's going to be the, 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 the number. Is there a little bit of an issue with Raiders scouting and not doing due diligence on the character of guys? Not necessarily. I think that when you talk about the Damon Arnett situation, um, because the Raiders had faith in the coaching staff at Ohio State, they trusted the words from the coaches that that, that, that Damon was able to turn around or you could probably get through to him um, and, and make him a you know, better person. It's one of those misses. You know, you guys, you know, the, 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 the draft is such a crapshoot. 
I mean, they do their homework. Don't get me wrong. They do their homework, and they have assets and uh, the resources to, to, to go around. I mean, they've got, you know, police force, FBI, and all that stuff is big money. It's a big project. So, But there are times where some guys just slip through the crack and you take a chance on them. And unfortunately, they took a chance on Damon Arnett and it didn't pan out. I know the NFL likes parity, but <clears throat> all the teams stacked up at five and three and five and four. I think it's like 11 teams. That That seems crazy. Are there any of those teams that you believe in more than another that you think can break out of this in the AFC? Because obviously the Titans and Ravens, 7-2 and two and 6-2 and two are really good. The Jets, the Dolphins, uh, the Jaguars, and the Texans are all on one or two wins. Everybody else looks like they're mediocre, but maybe they're about to take off in the second half of the season. Don't you just love the parody guys? It it makes our job a lot harder because it's it's less predictable. You don't have those standouts that you, I mean, you look, even for what it's worth, the Titans and the Ravens look vulnerable, you know, and, and, and would it be surprising? Well, I guess it would be surprising if the Ravens lose to the Dolphins, especially when they don't have two. But, you know, things like that have happened before. So I like the parody and I like the sort of, you know, the, the cluster, if you will, uh, of seeing things mixed up. I, you know, right, right now, I, I, I stand by the old saying that a coach once told me that teams that win in November, December play in January. So whoever decides to rise to themselves to the second level, you know, the, the Titans really showed me something without Derrick Henry. They put a they put a stomping down on the Rams. I thought that was a good sign. But at the same point, you still got to continue it. You can't just get up for one game and and then be down for the others. And, I, and I, I'll see who's for real in in sort of the months to come. But you know, there are a lot of strong teams. There are a lot of teams that could surprise people. Like I said, with the Raiders, um, I think the Raiders are a playoff bound team. I'm not saying they're going to go deep in the playoffs, but I think they're a playoff bound team. And now that they have a defense that can slow people down. Um, they can compete with anybody, in my opinion. But I, I still don't think they're a Super Bowl championship team. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider Radio Analyst, Pac-12 Network Analyst, LK with DJ and PK. Thanks a lot, Lincoln. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, guys. Be well. Talk to you later. Coming up, Riley Jensen, our college football insider, is going to join us in about 20 minutes right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. I love Hassan Whiteside's minutes, and then I love Eric Pascal's minutes. I continue to stand back and look at the deficiencies from last year's team, which was a second-round exit, and I continue to think to myself, are they getting better where they were deficient last year? These two are 100% making you better where you were deficient last year. And when the season started, we talked about, okay, can you collectively replace Derek Favors with Hassan Whiteside? Everybody's still going to attack when Rudy Gobert goes off the court. The guy's a generational defensive player. There's no arguing that you're going to take a step backwards when Rudy Gobert leaves the court. But Hassan Whiteside is giving you more than Derek Favors did last year. You throw Pascal in the mix, the Jazz are a better defensive team with Rudy Gobert off the court than they were last year. Yes, sir. And I think that Justin Zanuck deserves some props there. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Football Friday is presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. All right. (laughs) Quite cordial of you. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Are the Pacers going to be that cordial tonight? 
Got another routine Jazz victory lined up here tonight with the Pacers coming in back-to-back after Denver. Or are we going to go with what Lincoln just said about the NFL any given Sunday? How did we lose to those guys? He would remember that walking off the field after a game. Are the Jazz going to walk off the floor thinking, how did, how did we lose to those guys? I think there's very few games in this league in which that it is just show up and win. There's some teams that really do suck. I mean, obviously, New Orleans is what? They're 1 in 10. Yep. And the other night, they had five technicals, and Willie Green is calling them out. I'm like, come on, guys. You, you, you suck and your whiners. You, your, your focus is not where it needs to be. And you're never going to change referees. Let the coaches worry about that. Or, you know, maybe a captain who's got some tenure in the league, not a bunch of no name dudes. They don't want to hear from you guys. What's more common is maybe the. Spurs or the Kings, maybe the Thunder. And the Thunder have a couple of nice players, a bunch of guys nobody knows, but they have found their way to get to four and six. And they're not going to finish as a 500 team. No one would bet on that right now. No. But they've beaten the Lakers a couple times, and they're liable to take down some other playoff teams down the road. Lugans Dort. <laughs> sure. Uh, that's the way I look at most of the teams in the league. So, But I also look at there's uh, maybe a handful, not less than a handful, that really, really suck. And there's probably a handful that it really doesn't matter who you're playing. If you do your thing, you will win. And th- there's going to be times that that doesn't hold true every single time. But I think for the majority of the time, that's going to hold true. And the Jazz are one of those teams that I put in that category if they do their thing, they're going to win because they're just simply better than you. They've got better top-end talent. And I will continue to believe that all the way through the season. I don't see that changing. I believe I will continue to believe. So I've got two beliefs there. I believe I will continue to believe that. And so I'm putting in some modifiers into the postseason. I reserve the right to change that. Uh, when we get there, because obviously we're still a long way to go. We haven't even had the first snowflake yet. And so we know we're going to have snowflakes. In fact, we have a lot of snowflakes in this community. And although what is snowflakes? Is that, I don't know. that what, Is that good or bad? It's not usually a compliment. It's not? I hear that, but I don't know which side. I, I'm not sure. A little bit of heat and you'll melt. You're nothing. Is that what it is? I guess. I don't know. Nobody explained it to me. That's how I took it. I've never thought it was a compliment. You ever hear anyone call someone a snowflake and think they're really complimenting? But isn't that a political term now these days? It does get used in political debates. But I don't know who we're ripping. It's a political context. I can't keep track of all this stuff. Like, at least I got to know. Like, I got a family member, hardcore liberal. So when this person starts ripping political leaders, I automatically know, oh, okay, that's a Republican. Because I don't follow it. So I don't know. You know, outside of somebody like Mia Love or uh, Mitt Romney, uh, I don't uh, I don't know who they are. You know, what, what what's Mia? Is she still in Congress? No, she's no? not. Not for a while now. Really? We've had two representatives since then in her district. Where's her district? Where it's, I live. It's hard to know. <laughs> it's hard to know. Yeah, the lines kind of squiggle all over the place. I don't really know. Oh, are they fixing it? Yeah, don't be living in Cottonwood Heights, apparently. <laughs> Mill Creek. Why not? Because uh, apparently all four districts are going to be in Mill, in Mill Creek because of a pinwheel. That'll be like the center, and then they'll all split from there. I'll be darned. Yeah. 
Snowflake <laughs> is a politicized insult typically used by those on the political right to insult those on the political left. There, oh, I looked it up for well, you. good. We got a lot of snowflakes around here. There you go. <laughs> and so we got a long way to go before we start getting into the postseason. I mean, that's not even on my mindset right now. Uh, we, you know, May, 11 down, 71 to yeah, go. It's just, uh, it is truly the 26.2 miles or whatever that is. That's what a marathon is, right? Yep. And I, I, you know, we're going to ask Joe, you know, and Joe doesn't seem to get caught up in that. But when you start even thinking about the standings, to me, it's just so dang early. I'm just focused on this team and the way it plays. And if it plays according to its capability, it wins. And that's what matters. And you're not going to play according to your capability every time. I mean, they're going to have, even if they were to win the title this year, they will have playoff losses, right? Nobody just storms through. Uh, even Moses Malone in that year, did they storm through when he went to faux, faux, faux? Well, they did, but they did lose one. Right, but I, they I didn't have faux, faux, faux. 12, no, but I would think 12-1 and one is storming through. Yeah, you play more games now. You have another series, so it's harder, obviously. And even the great ones, Jordan didn't didn't just roll over everybody all the time. Yeah, he had, uh, I think, uh, five of his six went uh, six. six games. Yep. And one went five. Yeah. First one went five. Well, that's the one I covered. So I remember that vividly. And this team's going to lose. I think every team is going to lose its share of games. It's just that their share of losing games, that number is a lot lower. See what I'm saying? 20. Everybody I, loses 20. I would 20. go between 20 and 25 for them this year. Which puts you in the high 50s or low 60s for a win total, and that's an awfully good neighborhood to be in. I expect them to dominate at home. As sure as I say you, that, they'll lose tonight. You, you threw out 36 <laughs> and 5 earlier this year, or earlier this week. And I think that's legitimate. They went 31 and 5 last year, so you're not. Uh, you're not you're not being outrageous there. They they've already been there, and they played fewer games last year. So five more games, maybe they would have lost one or two more. Maybe who knows? Right. But this Pacer team, to your point about who are they capable of beating, they're coming in four and eight. They just lost to the Nuggets, and we know the Nuggets don't have Murray, but the Joker was suspended for this game as well, and they still got the win. And the Pacers can beat a good team because they beat the Heat. Well, the Magic beat the Jazz. And the other wins are Spurs, Knicks, Kings. Right, so it, it can happen. But I doubt that they were really on the road coming on the second night of back-to-backs. Exactly. Yeah. I want them to really bear down and take care of business when taking care of business is a little bit easier. And this is one of those nights that taking care of business is a little bit easier. I don't need them to look polished. I just need them to win. You know, the, the Gary Patterson line, win by one. That's used well, to I was say about that. to go the other way. I was thinking they were up by 15 over Atlanta. I was surprised they just didn't push that to 20 and get the bench guys in. I don't care. And fewer minutes and all that stuff I don't, I just, on the legs of the yeah, Mike Conleys I, and Joe Ingles. I just and, don't know how that's going to matter in May. All right, DJ and PK coming up next. Back to football with Riley Jensen, our college football insider, following a couple teams that are uh, closing in on division titles and maybe conference titles and another team that beat both of them and wouldn't mind bragging about 
beating those conference champions. We'll talk with Riley about that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Riley Jensen is going to join us in a couple minutes here. Talk a little college football. Get us ready for the big weekend. We do have the question of the day coming up. Farmington Tonight basketball star Colin Chandler picks BYU. How does Mark Pope keep doing it? The responses, PK, are classic. I've got epic. something that I need to say desperately. You're, you when we need get there. to say it. You got to get this off your chest. Mm-hmm. I actually right. wrote about it. it. Should be posted later today. We're going to do that in the very next segment. Stay Sweet tuned for that. Goody. Right now, <laughs> Riley joins us. On the Smart Rain guest line, Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Riley, good morning. What's up, you sorry dudes? Hey, I got to tell you, you just said Riley joins us. So am I? Am I, am I like a one name guy now? Like that's 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 where we're going with this because that that felt pretty good. It wasn't Riley Jensen on the the Smart Rain line. It was just Riley. Like, well, I had just said that. your name while you were on hold or talking to Yak. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, it's yeah. kind of a second reference. So no, you're not. Oh, okay. uh, you're not Cher. You're not Maradona. You're not. I don't know whoever else. Oh, of right. course, he goes to I, soccer. I was, I was getting pretty cocky. I was getting pretty cocky. Should the Utes be getting that cocky with Arizona coming up and a lead and a tiebreaker? Yes, I would love. I would love to see the Utes get a little cocky this week. No, (laughs) I think I think they should have a healthy dose of confidence this week. I mean, the way that they played against Stanford, the way that their offensive line has started to play with the with with the way that their quarterback seems to improve every week in different aspects of his game. I think you should feel really confident if you're the University of Utah right now going to Arizona. And I know Arizona's a team that finally kind of broke through there for a minute. They're probably feeling pretty confident and excited. But the the youth world, in my opinion, right now, as far as this game goes, and if they just play, if they just play 65% this week, I think they win. How about BYU? Should they feel confident this week? I think they should. I think you, you should feel confident every week that you can get healed up a little bit. <laughs> I, listen, there's a, couple, there's a couple weeks here where, I mean, really, BYU has, what, three bye weeks here for a minute? They got, or no, two, two more weeks of bye. Um, Georgia Southern's not going to give them much to worry about. They get to heal up this week. Hopefully they'll get their starters off the field the week after that. And then you kind of try and make a statement game against USC, even though USC is not what – what we remember USC as being. The sticker on the helmet is impressive, but it's it's not as impressive as a win as maybe it would have been a while ago. All right, though. So, obviously, we're just joking there. I had somebody that I really respect in their knowledge, which is way more advanced than mine, tell me this person believes Jaron Hall is, yes, an NFL quarterback. What is your opinion of that? I certainly think that his trajectory is that way. Now, look, I also thought I also thought that Zach Wilson was an NFL quarterback. I'm not sure that I knew that he was going to be the number two pick, right? Like his his ability to develop and grow into that position was really really impressive, especially in that last year at BYU. And I think 
in some ways you could make an argument that Jaron Hall's trajectory is a little bit better right now than at this point in his career of starts than what Zach Wilson's was. Um, I, I'm not positive. I'm not positive that his ceiling is higher than Zach Wilson's, but there's no question in my mind that he's an NFL-type quarterback. There's, there's no question. He has the arm. The other thing that he has is he has the athletic ability to, to keep plays alive. And, and in the NFL, they love you to stay in the pocket, and they all talk about how when guys run too much, it messes everything up. And then uh, in the underbelly of the NFL, there's all kinds of offensive coordinators that are just so glad when somebody bells them out of a bad play <laughs> that, they, that they love a guy that can run like Jaron can. And the, the discipline that I like about Jaron – and the thing that I love about Jaron Hall is my criticism of him when he was in high school was that he would turn he would turn football games into what I call backyard football games. So he would he would run around back there, he would change all the rules because he was the best athlete on the field and then he could just throw it to wherever because it was like playing in the backyard. It wasn't you know, one, two, three, stick your foot in the ground and throw a slant on third and four to get you a first down. Or it wasn't this disciplined football that the quarterback position demands uh, on the next levels, right? And I think it's a credit to Aaron Roderick again. And I know that I've been, like, over the top in my credit for him. But, I mean, we're now talking about the second quarterback in a row where I'm seeing major growth in the progression of of talented quarterbacks who were talented when they came in but needed – certain amounts of discipline to, to get better, and I'm seeing it with Jaron Hall. I mean, as athletic as he is, he stays in the pocket. He makes the right reads. He's cool, calm, and collected. I mean, really, he's got everything that you want out of, a, out of an NFL quarterback. How high or how low that goes, I think, depends on how much longer he stays. I, I think it would be a little bit foolish to leave after this year, but I think he probably could. And then I think if he has another, if he has, a, if he puts together another year next year like he has this year, I, I don't think there's any doubt that that he goes into the NFL really, really confident and and willing and ready to compete for a spot. You say he shouldn't go, but if you've got a history of injury and uh, it's a violent sport, when in doubt, should players go? Yes, but I but I think if he were to go this year, you're talking about sixth round, seventh round, free agent type thing. Where I think if he put another year together like that, you're talking about fourth round, third round, second round type guy. Um, right, in, in my opinion. So at that point, then, so, if Hall is an NFL quarterback, Wilson was an NFL quarterback. Hill hasn't been a starter big time, but at least he's played the NFL. You got three of the last four guys going in the NFL, how much he sends that a message to recruits, particularly as you're going in the Big 12. Come here, man. Play for a couple years. We'll make you some money. Look, it doesn't hurt it doesn't hurt that when I was growing up, quarterback, you know, quarterback U was BYU, right? And now you start stringing together three out of the last four. You start watching it on national TV. Taysom Hill comes in and, and, and runs some sort of a spread option type of thing, and they're like, and Jason Hill out of BYU, and and then they say and Zach Wilson out of BYU, and then you get Jaron Hall in there, and they're like Jaron Hall out of BYU. Yeah, it it starts to change the momentum, and I think it's important. Just the point that you brought up, one of the things that's going to help BYU to really become like QBU again is the fact that they're in the Big Twelve. I I know for a fact 
that there's a certain recruit that 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 had a big deal to do with where he decided to go, and he's now committed to BYU, and he's he's all in. But if there was any question mark, it was about that scheduling. It was about that conference, and I think I think you're seeing a whole slew of guys that are that are in the portal that are transferring back and going. God, BYU's not a bad place to play because I'm in the Big Twelve. You know, if you look through the history of the Big Twelve and all the guys that go to the NFL because they compete at the Big Twelve level. All the guys, you know, in the Pac-12, it's giving guys that are local some really, really good options. And if they get on the field and play for BYU or Utah and they play well, they have a chance to go to the NFL. And it's just the way it is, right? Like, the majority of NFL players go to P5 conferences. And, yes, there's pro players from Utah State that are in a G5 conference, and they've done a really, really nice job. But the percentages are better if you're in a Big 12 conference, you're in a Pac-12 conference, you're in the SEC, you're in the ACC. I mean, when I coached at North Carolina State, there was guys that went and got drafted in the NFL who I didn't think were as good as guys that played with me at Utah State or that I played against in the Mountain West Conference. But when when NFL guys are looking at the film and they're seeing their competition, their judgment of what they can do on the next level is that he can do it. If he can succeed on this level, he can succeed on the next level. So it's interesting, when the youth went to the Pac-12, we saw a lot of Pac-12 schools adjusting, come in here and start recruiting and taking players. Now, with BYU going to the Big 12, do you think we're going to see the Big 12 adjust and start coming into Utah and taking players? Or do you think this? Uh, we've seen a few guys transfer back in here. Do you think the coaches will, local coaches will get the upper hand here saying, well, look at these guys who are leaving or transferring and transferring back. Why don't you just stay in the first place? Well, I think I... I... I, I think the answer is yes to both of those questions. You are going, there's no question we're going to see Big 12 schools come in because BYU isn't going to be a bottom dweller. They, they, it's going to take them a minute to be up near the top or, or in a Utah equivalent situation in the Big 12. But they're going to see some toughness. They're going to see some players. That, and they're going to go, dude, where is that guy from? And they're going to see he's from Provo, Utah. And they're like, dude, why, why aren't we recruiting Utah? You know, and there's going to be guys that come in, but I think this all bodes well for you know this influx of guys that are transferring back to BYU, they're transferring back to Utah, and guys are transferring into Utah State. I think it bodes well for local coaches as well. Like, yeah, come on in, guys, but we've we've got a track record that says when our guys leave and go to your big schools, they all want to come back, and they're going to want to come back. It's going to be a little bit easier to come back if it's a Big 12 or a Pac-12 team, right? It's just a little bit easier because, yeah, you're you're changing from, like, maybe the school of your dreams, and then you got there and it wasn't everything that you thought it was going to be. And then when you shift down, you're still shifting to a really good place. So I, I think the answer is yes. I think local coaches will have a little bit of a story to tell that's going to help local players to pause before they go to LSU, before they go to, you know, wherever they're getting recruited. And and I think also there's going to be more Big 12 teams that come in here when they see the toughness. Because, look, Utah has always been a place where you can get, you know, milk and potatoes. Like, they've always thought, like, man, we can go there, we can get linemen, we can get fullbacks, we can get tight ends, we can get linebackers, right? They haven't necessarily come here for speed, but there's also guys all over the place right now even changing that narrative with Simi Fajoko, you know, out of Brighton High School, going to the NFL and Stanford, and then 
You got guys like Cody Hagan that are getting recruited by everybody in the country. They're starting to realize that even the skill positions here are are really good. And I think Zach Wilson and Jackson Dart have done local quarterbacks here a real favor by playing well on on the next level and then going to the NFL. And you know, Jackson, I think Jackson will have his shots to go to the NFL, but. The better these guys that are in skill positions play, the better opportunities they're going to have that 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 young players here in the state are going to have to play at at big schools in in big time situations at the local schools as great players, and then really a chance to play in the NFL. I heard one line of thinking that uh, the free transfer actually might hurt some of the you know, pretty good programs, and it might aid the top-level programs because the thought of, uh, well, let's see if I can go make it there. You know, the old New York, New York, if I can make it there, I can make it anywhere. So I'll go to these high-powered places, and if I make it there, well, gosh, then I'm on my way. If I don't, well, then I can transfer and not miss a beat. I can come back. And so maybe it doesn't help to get these kids, now that BYU is uh, rising up their profile, that will still be as hard, if not harder, because of this free transfer rule that they go to fill-in-the-blank superpower, and if it doesn't work, well, then I can come back. Well, I think what it opens up the door to is, is like, okay, so Cameron Latu goes to Alabama, right? And he's playing really well for them right now. He's playing tight end. He's an example of if I can make it here, I can make it anywhere, right? Yeah. But but if he doesn't, and he wants to come home in two years, you think BYU doesn't want an, an athletic well, tight sure. end yeah, like Cameron yeah. Latu? Right. Years? So I think it, I think it benefits BYU, and I think Utah State's shown that it can benefit a small school. I think I think what this is going to be is it's just the ability of coaches to understand what the transfer portal is, the ability of coaches to hustle, and to have still had relationships with those guys. Now, I'll tell you an example, and I can't remember the exact player, but there was a player that I was at the All-Poly camp, and he was at USC, and he'd come back to the All-Poly camp and was saying hi, and Matt Wells called him over, and he's like, hey, hey, what's going on? And the kid came over, and he lit up like a Christmas tree. You know what I mean? And the, the kid was talking to Matt Wells. You could tell that they had a great relationship and blah, blah, blah. And um, the kid, the kid leaves, and Matt Wells turns to me and he goes, "You never know, right? You never know." You know what I mean? And I and I think that's what you're going to see a lot of, right? Like you're going to see that these guys are continuing to recruit. Now, you could say, "Is Matt Wells influence?" He didn't say anything inappropriate, other than he was just really enjoying a kid that he recruited, and and he was being nice. You could you could say whatever you want, but. That's going to happen all over the place now because you never know. You never know that a guy that you lose to another team isn't going to be unhappy in two years, and he's going to remember how well you treated him in the recruiting process, and he's going to want to come back to you. And so I think, I actually think that this whole that this whole thing puts even more pressure on on college coaches to always be recruiting. Like they can never stop recruiting. Never, never stop recruiting. Yeah, I mean, that's what I did early on with DJ, like 25 years ago. I was really nice to him because I thought he could be a nice assistant to me to work on the radio. And I thought, okay, I'll be nice well, to I him think, then. And it I worked. Think what's really, I think what's really astute about you and just really forward-thinking and progressive about you is that you understood that your individual accolades were going to happen by having a great team around you, right? And so you understood that from an early time. And, you know, it's very clear 
it's very clear that you recruited DJ. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, even DJ is, you know, in a quiet moment, has just told me how grateful he is to you for all the, you know, all those things that you've done. He, he's an excellent to, role to, player. To bring him into the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a high level role DJ, player. DJ, I didn't mean to talk about you like you weren't there, but um, <laughs> you know, I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> So BYU has a bye. The Utes have a, a 24, 24 point favorites over Arizona. So if there's any drama this week, it's your Aggies playing 5-5 five and five San Jose State. Can they beat the Spartans? It looks like the biggest hurdle on the way to winning the division and going to the conference title game. I suppose they could slip up on one of the other two, but on paper this one looks harder. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, this this Utah State team is is not a team that's like easy on your heart. I mean, you go to UNLV, you get way down, you come back, and you have a, a pretty big win against a team that's a, a bottom dweller in the Mountain West Conference. I mean, certainly anything is possible. One of the things that I've been noticing about Utah State right now is the timeliness of the defensive plays, and then I'm seeing and 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 I. If, if I can just talk about this for a second, Logan Bonner is becoming more confident, and I think it's a direct, it's a direct impact of the play of Tompkins at wide receiver. And here, here's what I mean. And Tompkins is like 29 receptions and 219 yards away from breaking Kevin Curtis's record for single season. I mean, there's like four games left for him. I, I, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to believe that he doesn't break both of those records. But when you play with a great player, and I played with Kevin Curtis at Snow College. I didn't play with him at Utah State, even though we both played at Utah State. Um, Devin Tompkins has this huge catching radius. And so when you throw the ball up to Devin Tompkins, it's, it's interesting because in the beginning you're throwing it up to him and he's making all these amazing catches for you. And then what happens is a quarterback is it takes all the pressure off of throwing to him. And so all of a sudden, because there's no pressure to put it in, uh, on a dime to him, you start throwing dimes, and he doesn't have to make those great catches for you because you know that he can make these other catches. And I'm just seeing a real, like, just a real energy. It, it is really tough to stop him offensively. Um, he's, I mean, he has like five or six games this year, over 170 yards. He's electric. When, and, and, and look, if you're a BYU fan and a, U, and a Utah fan, you haven't had a chance to watch a game. Like, you should just tune in for a couple minutes this Saturday night to watch him because he's really electric. He's really fun to watch. The Utah State's offense is as fun as I've seen it since they started going back to bowl games year after year after year under Gary Anderson the first time. This offense is really fun to watch. It's a team that's really fun to watch. Um, you know, Rice on the defense, he seems to make timely plays. The defense makes timely plays, and it's just a – it's a really fun story. It's a really fun team to watch right now. And I'm, I'm certainly hoping – I mean, I know we argued before, you know, that our expectations shouldn't be eight, that this is all gravy, that we're in a bowl game. But, you know, I'm, I'm starting to fall into, like, what you were saying to me before, PK, where, like, yeah, I have high expectations. I want ten wins. I want ten wins. And then if we lose in the championship game, that's great. And then we go to a bowl game, we get 11 wins. I mean, how awesome would that be? That, that's that's what I want. Uh, now I'll be disappointed if that doesn't happen. I will be disappointed. Okay. We can live with that. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Well, most of it, except for the part where you talked like I wasn't there. But other than that, we appreciate it. <laughs> but, but we all know the truth, right, DJ? We know the truth. 
The truth is out there, and the truth shall set you free. And I need one more cliche about truth because yeah, threes is uh, is a literary thing. You got the rule of three. Riley, we'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy the games. Thanks for having me on. Riley Jensen, college football insider and mental performance coach. Coming up next, it's the question of the day. Farmington High basketball star Colin Chandler picks BYU. How does Mark Pope keep doing it? We have got a lot of interesting responses to this, and PK has one thing he has to say. He physically has to get it off his chest. You feel better after you say this? Well, anytime I espouse truth, yes, of course. That's next. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. I love Hassan Whiteside's minutes, and then I love Eric Pascal's minutes. I continue to stand back and look at the deficiencies from last year's team, which was a second-round exit, and I continue to think to myself, are they getting better where they were deficient last year? These two are 100% making you better where you were deficient last year. And when the season started, we talked about, okay, can you collectively replace Derek Favors with Hassan Whiteside? Everybody's still going to attack when Rudy Gobert goes off the court. The guy's a generational defensive player. There's no arguing that you're going to take a step backwards when Rudy Gobert leaves the court. But Hassan Whiteside is giving you more than Derek Favors did last year. You throw Pascal in the mix, the Jazz are a better defensive team with Rudy Gobert off the court than they were last year. Yes, sir. And I think that Justin Zanuck deserves some props there. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com Hot Takes of Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair? It's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahhairmd.com. Question of the day, Farmington High basketball star Colin Chandler picks BYU. How does Mark Pope keep doing it? You have something you want to get off your chest. I'm ready to compile a top 10 list of... How he keeps doing it. But I think you got one point you want to sell. I think this is huge. I think what he's doing is what Majerus did in the 90s. Now, he doesn't have near the success that Majerus had, but he's just getting started. And in his third year, we, I don't think we knew Majerus was going to take the team to the Final Four and, and to the title game. But what he's doing here is he's getting the best players in the state, and then he's going out of state and developing these other kids. And that's what Majerus did. He had the best kids in the state. And then went out of state and developed kids. And Van Horn was sort of a ready-made player. But Doliak and... Uh, Doliak was definitely a project. And, uh, Andre Miller. Van Horn was a little bit of a project. He was highly skilled. He already had that. But he was... Then could get pushed around as a freshman. Yeah, but he was, he was naturally going to grow. Yep. Uh, and so you had all that going on. And what did it do? It elevated Utah's program into a national powerhouse. And then in turn, I think it had a direct correlation, BYU sucked. And right now, Utah's got a curtain down in their arena. They have bottomed out, changing coaches again. And meanwhile, BYU's student section is great, high energy. They got an NIL plan with the changing rules. Pope is unbelievably personable. He is. And now he's got the Big 12. Come play in the best league in America. Hey, look, three of the top 10 teams in the uh, first poll, Big 12 teams. Uh Huh? Yeah. Everything is all set up for them. And in the process, you can hammer your in-state rival. I think Lohner was recognized as the best in-state player last year. I think this kid 
is recognized as the best in-state player this year, right? I don't. I mean, I don't follow got, high school recruiting that much, but when yeah. I see that he's ranked twenty eighth in the country, I'm thinking there's not anybody else who's ranked that high. No. Yeah. Uh, so watch out, man. We saw what happened in the '90s. One program took off to the point where he basically forced you to come to my program, even if you didn't want to. You had to. You had to. So you got the Johnsons, Alex Jensen. Yep. Uh, well, I want to play on winning basketball. Well, where are you going to go? You can go there. You're going to go to Utah, and you're going to go to the NCAA tournament. Which he delivered. And he was difficult to play for. I mean, I know the guys. I've kept personal relationships with several of them over the years. One in particular. And... Uh, and doesn't have a whole lot of positive to say. Uh, you're not going to get that from Pope. Now Pope, uh, you know, he's going to run off guys. Majors ran off guys. We used to joke senior day that they should honor the guys that he was going to run off because they didn't know it yet. But in about three weeks, they were done. I can remember standing in the foyer talking to you about that exact thing. Killing time before some game. I was up there for a 6 o'clock live shot, and you were up there to beat traffic and parking because in those days they were filling the place up. Yeah. And there was construction going on, and it was a mess while they were building stuff there by the arena. And we stood there, and we thought, that guy's gone. I agree, that guy's gone. The second guy is gone. Yes, the second guy is gone. This third guy, and then that's the one we debated. Yeah, he averaged you about were, three a year. And you were right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he'll get one more year to prove himself. No, he didn't. <laughs> he right. Didn't. And so there's been some of that going on, but Pope's paid to win games. He's not paid to, uh, oh yeah, but what uh, satisfy or massage feelings? Uh, Steve Cleveland had that when he took over. He had to let guys go, and sure enough, some of the parents would call me, and they were just upset as can be, and they were just looking for stuff. And that uh, one, then as soon as Solis got himself in trouble. I had a parent of a f- player that he had run off. Boom. Called me immediately. I was in a hotel in Los Angeles. getting It was during Final Four week, the preceding week. And then I was down there working on a big A1 cover story on Andre Miller that they sent me down there to do. I went to Andre's house and met with his mother and stepfather in Compton and all that stuff. And I remember being at the hotel and I get this call because they wanted to rat him out because they were you know, basically pissed that that uh, Cleveland cut their kid. Those those things happen. It's cutthroat. It's a business, and so now more than ever, it's not going to please everybody. It was the business then. It was, but now even more so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legitimately, he got nil. You have money changing hands, and this nil thing too. I mean, it's just going to benefit BYU big time because there's a lot of BYU boosters out there that want to see the program succeed at high levels for competitive reasons, maybe some religious reasons, whatever it might be. Uh, so if I'm Utah right now, I'm a little nervous because, and I don't follow this close, but from what Yak has told me and from what I understand, this kid was Utah bound. And as recently as a week and a half ago, I was told that Utah is the odds on favorite. Ten days ago, Sniggy, ten days ago, so just it's a week loner, and a half. So it's the loner story all over again. Well, actually, Loner went, went there. Signed. Yeah, signed. Yeah, he actually signed. He was committed signed. there. Yeah, he was yeah. committed there. And then he changed. What is going on? How is Mark Pope able to do this? When I'm, when I'm around Mark Pope, I'll tell you this right now. I got my right hand on my wallet at all times. Brooks says, 
Fan support. Look at the stands at both games Tuesday, and you tell me. Utah fans are pompous and arrogant. They have been beat down by the fall okay, of the basketball Max. program. While at BYU, they have excitement. Just pompous look at their two coaches. And arrogant. Hey, Utah fans are Utah fans. They're not pompous. They're no more pompous Utes, and arrogant than any fan base. Ute fans will start to find around start to uh, find around and make it seem like they were there all along. Utah basketball doesn't deserve Craig Smith. Well, that'd be good. That's a good. Then that means he was the right guy. Now I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and let's see what he can do, because that's my standard on all coaching hires. And he did marvelous work, and he was charismatic in his own right uh, in Logan. But at the same time, he wasn't competing to get kids into the Big Twelve. In the Sam Merrills of the world, when they were coming out in the Mountain West, West Coast. What difference is there there, if anything? But now you got the Big 12. Yeah. Number that... one or two te- uh, league in the country. At least half the league's going to the tournament. Cincinnati and Houston are coming in. They've got good, good basketball heritage there. I mean, any given year you can be whatever, but if you look at the arc of what they've done over decades, those are good basketball schools. For sure. UCF has a ton of talent, kind of a newcomer. I don't so know much about them basketball Yeah, I, I don't either. So... But Cincinnati, I, I'm a well aware of, and and uh, who's the other one you just yeah, said? Yeah, Cincinnati, Houston. you can go back 20 years, yeah, or yeah. you can go back 60 years, and you start hitting big names and big-time players. And right. same with Houston. Right, for sure, obviously. So I'd be a little concerned if I'm Utah. How did this kid get away? You're down and they're up. I don't think it's that hard. So how do you start to build and get back up, get people in the building. You always talk about kids want to feel like it's a big deal. I don't think if you're going to a Utah basketball game and the drape's down and the place is still half full, that you feel like that's a big deal. Yeah, but I think that's somewhat misleading. It's misleading if you're 40, 50, or 60 and you remember the 80s and 90s, but if you're 17 years old, that stuff's ancient history. Um. To the in-state kid, I don't think it is, because his parents know of it, and they can tell you. And there's some programs that just you can win all you want, and there's it's really not the son of a program. I mean, they've been nothing for forever, and I don't know that they have a fan base. I know Utah has a fan base; it's out there, and you start winning. They'll be back. They'll come running back. It's there. We've all seen it. I told you in the MGM, I was there. Pac-12, I think it was the first year that they had it in the MGM. Where they have it a couple years at, uh, at, uh, in the Staples Center, I think, early on. Yeah, double-check that. But I think it was the first year that Utah, well, they been in the conference a year or two, and then they moved it to the MGM in Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm standing in the room where you get the credentials, and I'm talking to somebody that I've known for a long time in the Pac-12. So Utah's down a little bit, and he looks at me and he says, the rest of the conference is really nervous about that program. I said, why? He says, because we know that kids want to play where there's great enthusiasm. And sure, they're down. But you give it a couple years, and Larry did get it done. It slipped on him, but he did get it done. He had two good years. They had a Sweet 16 team, they had a second round team, and that's if they're in that neighborhood, then the Ute fans will pack the Huntsman Center, and the Drape will be a thing of the past. Right. 
So it's there. There's some programs like Houston. Houston doesn't pack him in. I had Dave Rose, me, and I remember him telling me because he grew up there and played there. And he was talking about how even in their glory days, it was never there. They weren't necessarily the talk of the town. Here, you know, we do have the jazz, but the jazz influenced all the programs in the state, not one more than the other. Right. But in Houston, there's just so many Texas and Texas A&M alums. And there's so many schools in in Houston graduate from. I mean, the Utes have a massive alumni base within a 20-minute drive of campus. They can pack the place with Ute lifers. So, and this kid, uh, this youngster is going to go on a mission, he said yesterday. So it's still two years. So you'll be, the earliest you would be in his program is the third year, right? So with with that in mind, it would have had time to, with time to build up the program a little bit. And yet he's still, I don't follow it, but I've been told, as Yacht follows a lot better, that as short as uh, recently as 10 days ago, he was Utah bound. What in the world did Pope do to get in there and basically steal this kid from Utah? You tell me. People, you tell me. I want to hear what you have to say, and I want to hear it, and I want to hear it now. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We'll get to that next, and we'll give away tickets to see the Jazz and the Pacers tonight. We'll do that next. Stay with us. The new Zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the Zone welcomes Unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's the Jazz and the Pacers tonight. You want to go to the game? Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. And we'll give away another pair of tickets at 930. If you don't win now, you'll have another chance at 930. And then throughout the day here on the Zone Sports Network. 855-340-ZONE. Caller 12. See the Pacers and the Jazz tonight. Question of the day. Farmington I basketball star Colin Chandler picks BYU. How does Mark Pope keep doing it? Corey says not only is Mark Pope a great coach, all of his assistant coaches are top-notch as well. Combine that with the Big 12 hoops coming soon and BYU hoops trajectory. Prior to that, along with amazing fan student support, why would anyone pick Utah? Program's a dumpster fire and they have to pull curtains over empty seats at the Huntsman <laughs> Center to hide the apathy. Let's oh, find the curtain. This is not apathy. apathy. It's just that people don't care. What? <laughs> The very definition of apathy. Thank you. Uh, the curtains. The curtains now is going to be the thing. The curtains in the Huntsman Center. Yep. Hanging the big drapes. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. It's it's a symbol. It's a symbol for many things, but it's an easy reference point. Okay, so take down the curtains. And just and then you red see seats. the empty seats. Yeah. What's the difference? Well, it doesn't look good. That's why they hung the curtains. This so place the, the is cur- big and it's empty. What's curtains look better? Hang the hang the black drape. Nobody will notice. This nope. looks like a smaller building. Apparently everybody notices. I know. You can't get around <laughs> it.
But we remember it full, and we remember them winning, and they're not winning, and it's not full. You know, the Sun Devil program, they put up a wall. You told me, yeah. And I never knew it. Graduation was in there, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm in there for graduation, the mm-hmm. activity center, they call it. I'm sure it's sponsored now. And I knew it's, it's like the Huntsman Center sat about 14,000, 15,000. But then they would list sellouts, like the U of A. That's the one game yeah. they'd sell out, right? And they'd listed like 9,000. I'm thinking, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> well, unbeknownst to me, they had put up walls. And then Hurley got it. Their team was good a few years ago. <laughs> and they took down, down the, the walls. walls. Yeah, but I, and I knew something was wrong. Because I had been there for well, graduation and, and saw it, and I'd right. been there for concerts. So I, I think that curtain at, at Utah has a slightly different... When they decided to move volleyball in there off Crimson Court, they had a, a place near the basketball practice facility. Oh, yeah, I loved it. Building. I was there. I went right. to watch them play. And so they move volleyball in there, and so there's no point in having a 15,000-seat arena. Let's do something so it feels like more of a home court. Well, then once it's there and basketball stops drawing, it's like, well, why not lower it for this sport, too? Now, they don't lower it for women's gymnastics because they're good and it's full. So they're now a football women's gymnastics school? Well, if you're a BYU fan and you want to get under the skin of your Ute co-worker or brother or neighbor, that? <laughs> a whole long list of people who live on the Wasatch Front and listen to this show, then yes, you could drop that line. <laughs> you're a football women's gymnastics school. <laughs> but hurry up, just in case Craig turns around. Because if you remember, there was a little apathy around basketball at Utah State when Craig arrived, and he can talk. He's got a lot of energy, and he can talk all day long. And he got good players in right away. Well, I mean, he got Kata. He had Merrill, and he got Kata. That, that was it. And, and there you and go. And he got Bean. Nice player. Yeah. I think he got Bean. I may be wrong. Maybe he didn't. Because when you start factoring missions and whatnot, it's, right. it's hard to remember. But you get those two guys, and you put quality role players around them and coach them up a little bit, you're going to have a good team. Sure. And he did. Especially in that league. Yep. Uh, but how is Pope doing it? How do you get two guys that were, one was literally signed. I, I think your 90s comparison is spot on. BYU's got some momentum and has had two tourney teams. Now, one year they didn't play the tourney, but they were, they were clearly set up to do well in that tourney. And meanwhile... Utah's at a low point. They're changing coaches. Nobody's going to games. There's no guarantee that they're going to be able to win right away. And if you look there, it's like, oh, going to win right away. Yeah, but this kid isn't playing right away. He's playing in two years. Man, we all know in two years he's got a chance to change his mind, too. Sure. And one day he's got a chance. But why go through it and go through this whole deal? And they had a press conference and they yeah. blew guns in the air and <laughs> and the, the blue smoke. Is that what it was? And yeah. the why was revealed. It was and they had some guys like the Wizard of Oz. I don't know where he was there. <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, was behind there? the veil. Good did you, guess. Did you listen to it? I listened to it. Pay no attention to the man behind you the could, curtain. You could see the family there with the coach <laughs> at a table. And you could hear some voice. I'm the great and wonderful yeah. Oz. Who was that dude who was asking questions? <laughs> and I don't, I don't know who was, who, how that was going on. Yak, this is recruiting. You know, this is your yeah. job. Who I love that. Who stuff. was Oz? It was uh, Paul Biancardi from ESPN. I knew you knew. Paul Biancardi. Biancardi. Huh. He's a <laughs> He's making stuff up over there. <laughs> what are you doing? I didn't. I thought that's what he said. <laughs> I never heard of the guy. He covers high school athletics and high school sports. Okay, cool. Yeah, great, great. 
Yeah, and I get he can go, he can change his mind. A million things can happen. Sure. We understand that. But, but that's where the right timing. Now, that's where the timing of the Big Twelve is really good for BYU and is really good for Tom Homo and good for Cougar fans everywhere. They got a couple coaches who are personable guys, coaches okay. who are winning, and they could still leave. But, but L- Loner is still going to be a majority of his career as West Coast Conference. Yeah, he did get that done in the West Coast Conference. He's already passed his freshman season, and they still have two seasons to go. Well, I guess last year. Was last year a do-over for them, too? Not in men's basketball, no. Okay, which was good. They played a full season. It'd be a yeah. joke if that was. Uh, so he's going to play three years in the West Coast. And all these guys that he's getting to transfer in right now, they're not Big 12 guys. Nope. No, they're just getting pitched on tourney. We're going to the tourney. Yeah, and that's Look at the last one. two teams. Sure, that's a great one. But they're not. So he really, no, the big this 12, is the first the, Big 12 kid yes, he signed. The Big 12 is for the high school recruits now and the transfers in a year. I guess depending on how many years you're transferring with now, the Big 12 could appeal you to you too. But they got to play two years. So if you just even if you come in right now as a freshman, you'd only get one year in the Big 12. Right, and particularly the mission kids. They, they, the mission kids are Big 12 kids. If you're getting high school kids, it's yeah. go time. How do you get a, a Utah prodigy... And just swipe them. This is incredible. Except if, it's happened before the other direction for all the reasons you said. I mean, this is a Britton and Jeff Johnson story. We can get them on the air and talk about their families and rooting and growing up. and Right. And if it had been different, you know, if it had been a different decade and BYU had been in a different place, well, maybe they wouldn't have gone to you. But when they were making the decision... One team was really struggling, and one team was rolling. And right now, one team's rolling, one team's struggling. And college careers are over like that. How long is it going to take so you to think get it's, back well, on why, track? Okay, well, why 10 days ago was he a Utah kid? At no point, those kids might have been BYU lean, and maybe we didn't, recruiting wasn't as, as, big as a deal public yeah. as it is now, I haven't, and this and that. You know, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't talked to him, and it's like you always say, we report what we're told, not what the truth is. So maybe you even have to dig beyond that. Sometimes it is, sure. Not always. Right. I just find it amazing that this Utah kid is going to go to BYU. Pope's personal. The arena's fun. It's fun game atmosphere. It's loud. It's full. It's noisy. If we could just get the church leaders to not show up in suits, they're winning. Yeah. Give them a nice BYU polo. They got the NIL Can't thing. they do that? Can they ever be casual? Cousin <laughs> <laughs> Uchtdorf, or Elder Uchtdorf, has gone casual a couple of times, I've noticed. In Provo? Yeah. Yeah, and I shook that man's hand. What? He looked at me right now, and we shook hands. <laughs> we did. Were you the only one shaking his hands, or were you like one of like 25 people, and you were like dude 11 shaking hands? Dude 11. Dude 11. Which you is keep telling me I'm somebody in this community. Now all of a sudden I'm dude 11. Well, you could have been what either in this situation. I don't know if you were in a big group of people and he shook everybody's hand going down dude the line. Dude 11. Or he looks at you. Spence Eccles knows who I am. He does. He does and that. now I'm dude 11. Right. So what was the situation? Tell us. You were there. I'm asking. Which one was it? I wasn't there. As soon as we come back, I'll give you the answer. Oh, man. What a tease. <laughs> Trained professional. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Join Unrivaled with Alex Curie and Scott Mitchell Friday at the Warehouse from 3 to 6 p.m. 
Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Yeah, my throat's certainly a little bit, but I'll give you a boom. Boom! A more intense boom, I'll grant you that. Your boom was better. <laughs> boom. So, professional tease. Are you ready to deliver? Yeah, but it bugs me that you signified me as dude 11. At least put me dude single digits. I didn't know where you were in the group. You could have been dude 4. Yeah, but you immediately went to the back of the line. I went to the middle, actually. 11's kind of the middle. Nonetheless. If not, if there's 12 people. What were the situation? You you shake hands. And isn't he a member of the 12? I mean, come on. At least that's what you told me. Answer the question. (laughs) I hearken back to Labor Day. Probably 12, 13, 14 years ago. And me and the old lady, we decide that we're going to go to the Park City Hotel for the Labor Day weekend. So we go up there, play Park City Golf Course, one of my faves. Very beautiful. Have you played that one? I have not. Very beautiful. In the summer, just just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, so we get up there on a Sunday morning. I think we play, high hang by the pool, and... Do the you know whatever you do, and then Monday morning is Labor Day, and we're out by the pool Monday morning, and they have three stories there, and we're out by the pool, and there's a family, extended family, and they're all babbling, and my wife knows a little German because her father spoke five different languages, being from Switzerland, so he understood, and she took German in high school, and they're all going to town in German, right, and then. Out on the balcony, there's, in the middle of the hotel, they have, like, little walkout balconies of, so just, like, that room. And there's three levels, right? And he's, on uh, the top level is, uh, what should I call him? President Uchtdorf? Is that, that, I want to be respectful Elder Uchtdorf. Okay, Elder, there you go, thank you. Elder Uchtdorf comes out, and he's out on the, hit the highest balcony and the patio extends and these rooms have an extension. The other ones in the hotel don't have this outdoor deck basically. Mm -hmm. And so he, but his does. So he's out there up top and he's waving to everybody. And I said, man, I feel like I'm at the Vatican. (laughs) (laughs) Balcony. (laughs) Religious leader on the balcony. Okay. I got it. Right. And there's, the weather isn't very good that day. Uh, in terms of uh, the sun's not out, it's cloudy, and it's a little breezy. So there's not that many people there. And and he's talking to his family, and they're all going to town in German. Uh. And then, if, I don't know, 20 minutes later, half hour later, he comes down to the ground level, and there's probably 10 people who are not part of the family, my wife and I. And he goes around and introduces himself and shakes everyone's hand and says, how are you? And blah, 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 blah. So I had a little conversation you with Elder Ugdorf. And he said to me, Brother Kinahan, if you're just one degree off, you're going to Hades. This is where the story diverges from the <laughs> truth. May I be struck. There were there were two paths. <laughs> and I took the path less truthful. 
No, I took the path of least resistance. You took the path more entertaining. <laughs> and so we had a little chat. All right. Which was the second Latter-day Saint church leader that I have had personal conversations with. I guess I'm compelled to ask who the first was now. <laughs> How do you know it was the first? Well, you said it was the second, so I'm asking. Okay, the first. you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Simple deduction. I, should, I thought I, I said that. two. Yes, uh, years back, on a Friday at uh, the um, Marriott in St. George, uh, Elder Iring, yeah. we were right there in the parking lot, mm-hmm. both with trunks open, getting golf clubs. Oh yeah, you told me that. <laughs> told me and that. he was taking a, a, a time off to play some golf with his sons. And so we were in the parking lot, and we chatted about golf. You know, about it's very you know five minutes or what have you, but we chatted, and and it was obvious we were doing the same thing. We went down to St. George to play some golf. Did he call you PK? I seriously doubt that, but I have had some of them. I know, <laughs> and that's always made me a little nervous. <laughs> well, we all enjoy when you're nervous, so yeah. that's good. So we talked a little golf. He was very cordial, and yep. and he was there with his adult sons. His adult sons weren't there. But they were, it was in, I remember it was in November because BYU had played on a Thursday. Opened up the weekend. Yeah, and I took the Friday off. We were doing the show then, Mm -hmm. and I took the Friday off to to go down and and do what obviously he was doing with his his children, was playing some golf. So there you go. I'm practically one of yous. Question of the morning. Farmington High basketball star Colin Chandler picks BYU. How does Mark Pope keep doing it? We have an answer here, which is not surprising. It's an answer that would often be the answer to many recruiting questions over the years, and yet I think it has a different meaning now. What? A guy, Troy Williamson, um, who is a Ute, uh, puts up four bags of money. Now, back in the day, that's the University of Kentucky sending (laughs) sending packages that spill open. Chris Mills. And put them on... Fairfax High School. Put them on... In put Los them Angeles. on probation and get them banned from the tournament. But now, with name, image, and likeness, money's a factor. Money's always going to be a factor. And there's this whole gray area of what schools can set up or how they can help move that in the right direction or how savvy are your boosters? Do they even need to talk to anybody or they just get it and they know how to go and do it? But everybody's worried about this forever. And debated it, and now it's finally here, and it's going to be real. The schools that have more NIL support, that's going to be an advantage. Okay, but they're not supposed to set it up. Right. But I think that's going to be a big gray area. It is. It's a huge gray area. I don't think it should be. Or some boosters just don't don't ask, don't tell type thing. Yeah, there'll be some of that. And some boosters just don't need it. Some boosters don't need it. They can figure it out. They're business people. They have success in business over here. They figure out how this business, intercollegiate athletics, how it works, and they just do it. Okay, but isn't the dad of uh, some type of doctor? Oral surgeon, if I recall. And so is he really going there for money? I would not think so. I mean, no one's turning down money. I get that. But is that his driving decision to go there for money? It's a factor. It's good. There's other factors. I think Pope says, I can help get you in the NBA. <laughs> I think that's a big factor. I think the fact that they've qualified for a couple NCAA tournaments in a row and not just sneaking in, not didn't look like they were bound for a, a play-in game on a Tuesday night in Dayton. 
He's two for two in NCAs, no doubt yeah. about it. And I think when you go to a game down there, the atmosphere is huge. They drop those huge, uh, um, the cloth, for, and they project a video up on them. And the place is going nuts. It's loud. Well, yeah, it's but fun. I mean, they, they basically got old people and nerds. <laughs> well, students. Same thing. If you're okay. a BYU student, aren't you a nerd? Well, when they've all interlocked arms and they're <laughs> bouncing back and forth, doesn't that, like, does doesn't it feel like the library on the a white Tuesday kingdom night? Of, the white kingdom of nerds, doesn't it seem like the a, white kingdom of nerds? Doesn't it? <laughs> if that were a movie, would you go see it? The White Kingdom of Nerds? <laughs> yeah, would you go see that? <laughs> nah, it's more of a rental. I live it. The Marriott Center. Why would I go see it? It's like I got a buddy who uh, grew up in Compton. He said, I didn't go see straight out of Compton. I lived it. <laughs> <laughs> Local Utah Sports says, I give Chris Burgess 34 the credit here. Assistant coaches. Have good assistant coaches who can recruit. Huge advantage. When Majerus had his run, the staff was stable. They didn't have a lot of turnover. We were talking about turnover with, uh, you were talking Kyle versus Arizona, but really Kyle versus the whole Pac-12 South, all these other schools rotating through guys. And the Utes, they've had some turnover to the assistants, but it's largely been the same cast of characters. A little bit of turnover once in a while. Right. Get good assistants. Doesn't matter if you got Juddy and Donnie back in the day. Kyle and his staff now, or now you look at what Kalani's doing with his staff, or what Pope has going on with BYU basketball. Okay, should, should Craig Smith have an LDS guy on his staff? If you want to get in-state kids, you would think yes. Really? Yes. Why? It's easier for people to bond with people who are more like them. And it doesn't mean you do bond but it's like, if you want to recruit African-American players, should you have an all-white staff? That's a different. It is different, but it's not completely different. It's somewhat different. Ron McBride had no problem recruiting LDS kids. True story. He knew all about it. Yep. He's not an LDS guy, yeah. but he knew all there was to know. But he also had LDS coaches on his staff. I mean, Tompkins just came out of Utah he State. Did, he he was in the he transfer. He, he was in the transfer portal, and there were issues up there. And um, and stories have been written about this. The quotes are all on the record. And Tompkins was in the portal, and then reconsidered and decided to come back. Now, obviously, he's their star receiver. He's making big plays all over the field, just huge plays. And he has said the fact that the new coach came in and brought a racially diverse staff. He said, "Okay, this is different. There's somebody who knows what I'm thinking. But that is who I can go different." Talk to. Right. But when you're playing for Majerus, do you think it was an advantage for Majerus to have Juddy on his staff who could talk to LDS kids about what Majerus said or what Majerus did and explain? Yeah, but he was a freak. Craig Smith isn't a freak. I grant you there would be less need, but there still might be some need. I want to argue, but I can't really. Because my thought is that locally... Uh, Craig Smith has lived in the community now for three years. He's coached one of multiple the, one LDS of the, players. One of the things that should encourage Ute fans is that other coaches who are good coaches, who are talented, knew what they were doing, were moving to the community and never been here. Jack Aletti had never been here, right? And there's a learning curve. And the fact that Craig has been in the state for three years, that's a positive, without question. Yeah, like, like Chris Jones is now going to coach at Highland, right? Mm-hmm. He grew up here. 
He could recruit an LDS kid. Yep. He didn't have to. He's not LDS. He didn't need to be LDS. But he's lived here a lifetime. Right. So he, and he can walk the walk and talk and to it, talk. When a kid has a problem, how can a coach? Buffer isn't always the right word. Sometimes they do need a buffer. But who is it easy for the kid to talk to when times are tough and it's hard to say, it's hard to say what's wrong? It's hard to get the words out. If you have more of a bond and more trust and more of the mental relationship, then it's easier to get the words out. It's not always a slam dunk, 100%. So I would say more local guys, guys that you grew up playing, that have seen you play. Maybe they are LDS, maybe they're not. Chris Jones wasn't. But Chris Jones, uh, well, I can't get into big conversations and reveal uh, confidences, but he recruited LDS kids. And had a large amount of success. I'm looking at you, Sam Merrill. Uh, so I think it was it was fine there. I, maybe maybe it does. I, I guess it's just an opinion. I don't really know. I do know that they missed out on this kid. And it, to me, and when I hear he's a Utah kid, and then he doesn't go, it just makes me nervous for the Utah program. Well, it's certainly bad in the moment, and he's a talent, and then they lost out on him. And now, you know, it doesn't mean, before you light it up, that he couldn't end up there. We all get that. I mean, the fact that Burgess is coaching at BYU, there's a certain irony to that, given over 30 years. And now you got transfer rules. When he comes back from a mission, you know, will Pope still be there? But I think BYU fans, as far as retaining their good coaches, man, that's one of the big benefits about the Big 12. You know, we could sit here a year ago or even a few months ago and say, is, does Pope want to leave for a Big 12 or ACC job one day? He'll leave for cash. Yeah. So what's, now the, what's the cash? Now he's in the Big 12. Okay, he'll be in the Big 12, obviously. Right. He'll be, but what's the cash? Yep. You know, so I will... There will still be schools that pay more. Cross but, that bridge when you get to but it. But there won't be as many schools. There will maybe, be Maybe not. Suitors. Maybe not. They've, they've passed some people up. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but he's certainly got it going on there, and it's amazing to me that he's been able to. He's gotten this one kid who was already committed to Utah, already signed, and then a kid that thought was going to be there. That that's just incredible. And, and we may look back in ten years or twelve years, give him two years to get in after a decade in the league like the Utes are, and say, "Wow, they're better in basketball than they are in football," which for BYU. Would be the reverse not, of Utah. Not the kind of thing you expected to say. Yeah, in Utah, you're clearly saying, wow, they're better in football than they are in basketball. And BYU and, coaches used yeah. to joke with me uh, that they would root for the football team to be really, really good because then the administration wouldn't pay attention to them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they would tell me that. Under the radar. Yeah, yeah. Because football was so dominant there for so long that that's what they would want. And so they'd want that. Then they didn't have to worry about guys being on their backs. I mean, we do all make all kinds of assumptions when these re- league realignments happen, and it would be easy to say, you know, talking about the Utes a decade before they went in the league, if they ever get in that league, basketball could compete right away, but football, there'd have to be some heavy lifting done. And now they're in the league for a decade, and football's in a good spot, and basketball has a lot of heavy lifting to be done. Right now, the Utah football program is the premier program in the South. At worst, it's the third best program in the conference. Oregon. Washington, although they're currently struggling. Stanford. I would put them at two. Stanford in the decade has had more success in the decade the Utes have been in the league, but they're currently in a bad spot. Except the Utes always beat them. Right. (laughs) 
and then SC. You know that they, the they, potential is there, even though SC is. Well, they were five and one last year. Yeah, so let's not let's not dig their grave just yet. You know, it remains to be seen. They got one conference title in this decade since youth came in the league. I think they got more than that. I think they, I thought they, they got had, two. I thought they had two Rose Bowls, but I'd have to double check that. Uh, so they're still on a little bit of a higher level. But right now, today, they're looking for a coach. I would go obviously Utah, and they're going to win their third out of four years. And last year didn't count, so it's three in a row. That's just absolutely amazing. Good for them. They've been a model of consistency and a model of just winning football. Doesn't they don't win all the time? They're not Ohio State, Alabama, but very few are. There's only two or three who are. Four tops, five maybe. Since the Utes came in the league, Oregon has four titles. Stanford has three. Washington has two, and USC has one. Yeah, the the, the title thing to me is a little bit misleading because it's just one game. And if you're really good, posting ten win seasons, that's got to count for something. Right, right. You know, it's not. It's crazy the way we do this. For years, it was based on eight, nine games. Now it's only like based on one game. And you can then, literally go twelve and zero, and then lose your conference title game and be done. Yeah. So it's you're not getting it. Not entirely a crapshoot, but it doesn't hold the same meaning. A conference title to me doesn't hold the same meaning that it used to. Because you were tried and tested for weeks. Here you've got to come up and, and make sure you, you got it going on. And the first time they go into the title game, the Utes go in all sorts of hurt. And, you know, lose by, what, three points? Was it 10-7 to seven or something like that? I don't know, six to three? I don't know. Well, that? USC has had four double-digit win seasons in this decade. Right, right, right. So I don't think three you just tens, blow those off. Three tens and the 11. Yeah. You don't blow those off. As far as I'm concerned, you lost that one game. To me, that doesn't make your season as pathetic. I can't. I can't really say that. But now it's on the basketball man, and and this is this is Mark Harlan's first big hire that that the public really cares about. And so, what's it going to be? I'm all sorts of intrigued to see how this thing. Well, plans it's not. Out. It's not who you don't have. It's who you do. You've told us that probably a hundred times. And, what do you mean? and you want to get the local guy, especially if he's a legacy kid. But if you don't, you replace him and say you get a dominant seven-footer from Portugal who helps you win a bunch of games, then it works out. Yeah, but you already had an NBA player on the roster. And who was the ball going to at the most important times? It was going Sam to... Sam Merrill. Yeah. So you already had that. I, I, he doesn't appear to be inheriting an NBA guy, so I get there's more lifting to do at Utah. But I also don't think it's a great league, and so I think you can get from the bottom to the middle of that league pretty quickly. Now, conquering the top of that league, Oregon's a really good Oregon's a really yeah, good program. I, you're talking and about Arizona basketball? should be, and UCLA looks yeah, like they're yeah, back. They ended baby. up with a bunch of teams in the Elite Eight. Yeah. So how do you say it wasn't last year was a great league? So that's what, but the bot. I'm saying you can get from the bottom to the middle. Conquering the top will be tough because you're right. They have teams at the top. I agree, but I don't think getting from the bottom to the middle is that hard in that league. Yeah, but the middle ain't going to get you anywhere. Agreed. Well, it's easier to recruit better players once you're in the middle, and they can see it's not such a big jump. It's hard in to recruit theory. them when they're horrible. Oh yeah, you can still get shut out, but to get a great player when you're way down. That's really hard to do. I just think if you have a top 
30 talent in the country in this state. You'd really like to land him. And Especially for me, since kid. I've moved here and he's not going to Utah, that's a surprise because I'm used to those kids and I have all sorts of bias when I worked with a watchdog covered them. I expect them to go to Utah. And to have this kid not go, that's a surprise. And really, to the me. other big recruiting news of the day that went the Utes' way is what you expected with this. Lander Barton is a very good high school football player. He's a legacy kid. Parents, brothers, sister. Utah should have gotten him if they're going to be a good program. Well, they are a good program, and they did get well, him. Well, plus they paid him off. <laughs> now what are you doing? <laughs> Just trying to get his mom to text me. <laughs> what is wrong with him? I don't know. Doing this almost 20 years, I don't know. I mean, let's call it like it is. Yeah, I can go over to Brighton High right now. And I'll go pick up my daughter today, and I'll see that fancy Escalade in the parking lot, and I'll know immediately. DJ and PK. Just kidding. When we come back, everything you missed in this show will get you up to speed. If you missed Lincoln Kennedy, we talked Raiders, NFL, and Pac-12 football with him. Riley Jensen talks some recruiting, college football insider. We'll get to all that next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Utah State returns to Mountain West Conference play with a big trip to the Bay Area for a showdown against the Spartans of San Jose State. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It would be nice to have an apology, (laughs) Mac. It would be nice to have an apology, but, uh, I mean, it's not going to happen. And, um, I mean, however the NFL handles it, it's it's, it's on them. I would just like to play them again. And uh, I wish all my fellow uh, DN brothers happy hunting. And that's all. That's Brian Burns talking about Mac Jones. Mac rolling his ankle, grabbing his ankle and rolling him. Wants an apology, but if he doesn't get it, well, happy hunting to the fellow defensive end brothers. Go blow up a quarterback. There's football tonight. Ravens and Dolphins, 620. Dolphins are bad, working with their backup quarterback. Ravens are good. Only two losses. Titans are 7-2. and two, Ravens are 6-2. and two, Second best record in the AFC. So you got that at 6-20. And then at 7 o'clock tonight, the Jazz tip off against the Pacers. we got tickets for that game right now. 855-340-ZONE. Caller 12. 855-340-ZONE. pair of tickets every hour all day long right here on the Zone Sports Network. You can win two tickets right now to see the Jazz and the Pacers. 855-340-ZONE. Game tips off at 7 tonight. Jazz game night. The pregame show starts at 6. Indiana's going back-to-back. They lost to the Nuggets 101-98. No Jokic, no problem for the Nuggets. They get it done anyway, PK. A little bit of a surprise, but Indiana is not a great ball club by any stretch. And I think that in any single game, you can overcome. But obviously, uh, and that's all it was with him, because it was a one-game suspension, so he'll be back. He and his brothers will be back. <laughs> his brothers have been active on social media. I don't think you want to cross his brothers. That's what I've taken I from guess this. They're martial arts experts. Uh, no thanks. Pacers four and eight. The only two teams below them in the Eastern standings right now are Orlando and Detroit. Are both struggling big time. 
But the Jazz lost to the Magic, so tells you right there, be careful. Hey, be careful out there. Old school. Little Hill Street Blues right there. Choice. <laughs> the Lakers beat the Miami Heat. The Heat will be here Saturday. The Heat lost Jimmy Butler in that one, PK. He went to the locker room, injured, only played 12 minutes. Heat will be coming in here playing for the third time in four days, and if they're without uh, Butler as well, playing at elevation, that seems like everything adds up against them. It do. It's all set for the Jazz to go on a streak here. Beat the Pacers tonight, beat the Heat Saturday. Years ago, my neighbor saw Jimmy Butler at the Chick-fil-A down by Southtown. Got his picture taken with him. Good. <laughs> he was in town. He was uh, had a connection with that kid who played receiver at BYU. Was a transfer from UTEP? What was his name? I know who you're talking about, but I, I don't know his name right now. Yuck would know, but he's getting the Jazz winner. He's distracted. Yeah. And then Jimmy Butler, they tend to play rap in the, and hip-hop in the locker rooms. He started playing country just to irritate the guys, and he ends up liking country. Jordan Leslie. UTEP transfer. Yeah, they had a connection there, yeah. so he was in town to visit him. So now you and Jimmy Butler are bonded, although he doesn't know it, over his love of country music. I didn't listen to it to irritate people, but my band yesterday on the CMAs, Group of the Year, Old Dominion, love, love those guys. Scheduled to see them twice in 2022. Saw them last Friday night. It's awesome. So the Jazz ought to win tonight. Put together a little streak here. They got the second best record in the NBA right oh, now. Oh, I guarantee they win. Eight and three. Do I hear nine and three? I'll leave the market tomorrow if they don't win tonight. You already got a trip planned? <laughs> and covering the Utes at Arizona. <laughs> Thought so. <laughs> I will leave the market if they lose. I will also leave the market if they win. Either way, I'm going to Tucson. Okay, but you didn't have to say that. You didn't have to ruin the story. Good gig. Line. What's the weather like in Tucson? You're going to leave this suck, uh, cold and hit 75 degrees? No. 85 degrees? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the Golf Channel, and they were doing some stuff with the Schwab thing, and they were playing in Phoenix this weekend at the Phoenix Country Club. And so on the bottom, they have the weather, and I was reading it to my wife. Thursday... 85 and sunny, chance of rain, 0%. <laughs> Friday, 85, chance of rain, 0%. And it went through that right through Sunday. 84, 87, 88, 87, 88, 86. That's Play a ball. good week of weather in Tucson. For sure, yeah. Loving that. We did talk college football with Lincoln Kennedy and Riley Jensen this morning. Everybody very confident with the U chances in the South. What will happen in the North? Watch the Oregon-Washington State game this week. Well, I want Oregon to win. I want to set Sets up, up a better storyline. Yeah, absolutely it does, yeah. I want Oregon to win, come in here with their one loss. And the Pac-12 needs a shot in the arm, man. Yep. And so next Saturday, let, they'll be talking about it. Let the, let the Utes wreck everything. So be it, yeah. 
but they'll be lead in. They'll get some positive pub next Saturday. They'll, you know, game day and all those guys will be talking about that game for sure. Maybe they even come out here. There's been some talk of that. So the conference, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't I want that? Absolutely, I want that. So obviously, I expect the Utes to roll. And then at the same time, I'm rooting for Oregon. This is like the first time ever in the history of my life I've rooted for Oregon, but I want them to win. Now, I, 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 I wanted them to beat Ohio State, that's for sure, earlier in the season. I tend to root for the conference in big non-conference games, and that was huge. Going to Columbus was absolutely huge. There's no other way to spin it. They won that ball game. So even though they have not been all that uh, outstanding, they still nevertheless are, what, 7-1, 8-1, whatever they are, um, and deserve it. And to me, if you go ahead and you beat Utah twice – then I've got no problem with them in being in the title or the f- playoff. They're legit at that point. In my mind, they are because I think and they you, should be. You, the teams, some of these teams around them are playing each other and are going to lose. So Utah is extremely right. legit. And if Oregon's going to be in, aren't you going to root for them to be third, not fourth? Play Georgia later. You don't want Georgia in the semi. I don't care. Georgia's Georgia's legit. Um, what's the difference? You'll still end up with a legit team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but don't, it does I, feel like Georgia's going to roll through it like the way LSU uh, did. I don't know. They're having that. their year. Yeah, I don't know about that. But they had Joe Burrow and Chase, and they mm-hmm. had they had just a phenomenal offensive team. Loaded with I, NFL I don't, players. I don't, I, don't, I don't see that with Georgia. But that doesn't mean they can't win. And you don't necessarily need that. So um, I want to see the Ducks beat Washington State to set up this huge matchup. Even though for the Utes, it doesn't really mean a whole lot in terms of the Rose Bowl. For in fact, and actually, I could argue you could lose the Rose Bowl by beating Oregon in a. Well, that eliminates the playoff option in the back door, and it is a second place team in the Rose Bowl. Right, right. Which USC did when Washington went, which was the last time. Somebody went. When Oregon went, they went to the Rose Bowl for a semi. So the Rose Bowl's only been backdoored once by a Pac-12 school. USC got in as a non-champion. But play it out. That's where I, I think that, uh, and actually if the Utes run the table, man, jeez, that decision to start the, the spring stud, really, man. Yikes. That could have cost them a shot at the playoff. But probably not. You don't know that. I don't know it, but... Even after they made the quarterback change, they lost to Oregon State. So there's, right, there's that's one, one loss. loss. One loss. And it isn't, one loss. It isn't hard to rationalize away San Diego State if he played the whole game there. But it's harder BYU. It's hard to rationalize BYU know, away. And the, and the offensive line was struggling at that point. Yeah, but that, that's exactly assignments. why you wanted him in there. Because he had the ability to make something out of nothing. I keep hearing that argument. And that argument drives me crazy. He, that's the exact reason why I wanted Rising in there. Because he has the ability to get out of trouble. Yes, but they still couldn't run the ball. That he wasn't, run that wasn't going to change. And he could have gotten hurt and ruined the whole season. Or they could have won 50 to nothing. And that's the beauty of being a sports <laughs> fan is we can go around and around and around. Washington State and Oregon. ESPN, 8.30. So you can track that game. Same time that Utah State's at San Jose State. That's on FS1. And Nevada and San Diego State on the CBS Sports Network. So you got three good games late. Late Saturday night. 
All right. Anything else we talked about you want to hit on? No, we need to get to Lee's heating and air. All right. I don't know if you had a little Lincoln NFL talk you wanted to share. <laughs> you do a good job with that. You know that, right? He likes singing that one. And it buys me time to find it on the list of four right. papers you hand me every day. Because I'm a team player. I'm dude 11. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for the $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Do you Come- realize, hold on a second, do you realize, Yag, Sniggy refers to himself as Elite 11, refers to me as Dude 11. I really don't, but whatever. <laughs> and I'm just somebody 11 over here. Yeah. You're the future. And I've told you that, and you know that, so back off. Quit piling on. The future. Wow. You're a rapper? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) No, I'm not a rapper. (laughs) Not yet. But eventually. All right, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. I love listening to DJ and Dude 11 in the morning on my way to work. Makes my day a lot better. Go Kooks. Yeah. See? You got a new thing. Elite 11, Dude 11. <laughs> you just making stuff up, but Not okay. D- you, you didn't even give me single digits. I couldn't have been Dude 9. I was Dude 11. Go back and listen. I asked, were you the only one there, or were you in the middle of a big group? You know, like 11 out of 25. That, that would. It, you know how torturous it is enough to listen to you live? Now you want me to go back and listen to you on yes. tape? Little you, did I know. You, I assumed it was like at the Marriott Center or maybe at a football game or something. I had no idea you were at some ritzy hotel. Because you're a grinder, blue-collar dude. I didn't say we were staying at the hotel. We <laughs> snuck in the pool area. Nice. <laughs> Which is plausible because there is another story you've told me. Many times. <laughs> Helping yourself to a pool. <laughs> All right. Question of the morning. Farmington High basketball star Colin Chandler picks BYU. How does Mark, P- Mark Pope keep doing it? Thick leg Jake, Brighton High football superstar Lander Barton picks Utah. How does Kyle Whittingham keep doing it? Oh, come on. That was not the same. Man bites dog, dog bites man At here. At no point was this kid considering BYU. It was a Utah legacy kid, and they got him. And that's precisely why you did the double take when Chandler goes to the Y, because Utah legacy kid looked like he was going to Utah, and then he goes to the Y. It's going against the grain and against expectations. It's most surprising. Not that BYU landed a good player. I predict Mark Pope has multiple Sweet 16s by 2021. You just want that to get back to Greg Rubel. <laughs> you just want that to get back to Greg. Well, now make that prediction. I think it'll come true. Well, pick another year other than 2021. All right, <laughs> uh, give him three years in the Big 12. So he starts so that gives in- him five years total to get multiple Sweet 16s. No, I want to see where, what I'm saying is I want to see where he's at after three years in the Big 12. Then I make the prediction. I'm not saying it now. Oh, man. Then you're getting pretty deep into his career, though. You know, a coach stays 10 years and then he wants to move on like Bronco did. I got no issues with that. I don't expect coaches to stay 15 or 20 years in the job. I realize yeah, they but might. Yeah, that's BYU, and most of them do. 20 years? Most coaches go 20 years? If they're good enough. Cleveland and Rose both went about 10. Oh, yeah, but Dave was an assistant for several years. He was. He had to wait his time. Yeah. So, yeah, but what did 
if BYU pays, why would you go anywhere else? You have the, you have the toast of the town here. It's a great environment. It's a great program. <laughs> yep. We'll see. So I'm laughing because I'm reading this next tweet. Uh, <laughs> following on the thread about Lander picking Utah. Well, how does Kyle keep doing it? And next man up uh, says, I know what Kyle did not need. Ryan Smith's money. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Smith's money? Oh, man. Well, he doesn't need it, I guess. He's making over $4 mil himself. So, no, he doesn't need it. But what are we talking about? Well, I think about? he's taking more as NIL money. Ryan, so Ryan Smith bought? This Chandler kid is that what is that what I we're guess going that's with this? the implication? Yes. All the money now goes through nil. Like the money, like the buying kids thing is fun to talk about with Kentucky and you know Tark's UNLV team and whoever else Arizona and USC. I guess with the wiretaps, like nil, everything's changed now. I know, but what business does he have to bring in a kid? I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and it'd be more like I think Built Bar's the one who's getting all the headlines. The why, but I don't think that's the only deal. I certainly don't think it'll be the only deal going forward. And I do think schools have to get the NL, and I know they're not supposed to arrange it, but you know, there's an official way things are done and unofficial. Schools have got to have NIL stuff in place, or they're going to get left behind. Hey, you go talk to him. Yeah, right. Exactly. It used to be like coaches can't tell you about recruiting if they've got a commitment. Uh-huh. But I was but I was covering it for the newspaper. Last thing we can do is ask someone on the radio, "Hey, so and so just verbally committed. What yeah. do you think about so and so?" They can't do that. No. But can they call a B writer? Yeah, and I used to get calls from both programs. Hey, go call. Uh, what's his face? Because what's his face has got some recruiting news for you. Well, uh, they would just you say knew what it was. Here's the number of this person. Yeah. And that would be it. Or they would give my number and the kid would call me. There's always a way around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that stuff doesn't bother me at all. I oh, don't no. care. No, I, don't, so I don't care. Minor. I don't care. And, yeah. and I had no problem doing it, even for, you know, Majerus yeah. wasn't my best friend. I think, but I'd have the yeah. kids would call me. And because they wanted it out there, and they wanted to, to get the publicity for it. Sure. I, th- I think the way the NIL stuff has to go with the companies that are smart is what Built Bar did, where you, you really do partner with the program, not the kid. And I get that gets into a whole area about schools setting up. But I think it has to go that way. There's too much injury or too much issue with kids who are injured who can't play, kids who get sick who can't play, kids who um, just don't perform to the same level that everybody hopes. So it's, and the fans are really tied to the program. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So do it with the program. From and get Oklahoma, it out there publicly. Yeah, too. from Oklahoma and Rattler losing the job to uh, who was the kid who uh, Cleveland thought was a huge recruit when he got him because he was. Bigelow, uh, Gar- uh, Garner Meads was it? Garner Meads locally. McDonald's yeah. All American. And you saw yeah. him, and they were just so excited because you saw him right after the, he committed. I was in the office when they, when Bigelow committed. Okay. But then they go on a mission, they come back, they're not the same player. And we and popped cold ones in Steve Cleveland's office right then. Coke Zero? Cold ones. <laughs> he called Dave. I was water. literally in his office. <laughs> and he screamed, Dave, get in here! And they they started hugging. I thought, what the hell? I started hugging too. We popped cold ones in the, in the Marriott Center. Huge <laughs> Shasta trailer has now photoshopped some photo of us holding up shirts. <laughs> And it says, Dude 11, you're holding it up with the number one on it. And mine says, Snigglegarf, and has the number two on it. It's yeah. the water smeat uh, 
shirts that he ordered. The Nimrod. The, the Nimrod. The Nimrods. Nimrods. I, I, yeah. I, I, but he's reworked it. Yeah, he's I like re-worked it, though. It. You're, yeah. dude, you're Elite 11. I'm Dude 11. <laughs> That's the difference between us. You're Elite, uh, and I'm just a dude. Uh, the 80s dude sends one that says, it's just the way it'll be from now on. Hashtag new Big 12 is coming. And they got the Cougars dunking on the youths. Looks like Yoli's throwing down a dunk. And then Mark Pope photoshopped to be the Pope. So there you go. The actual Pope? Uh, you like John Paul? It? Yeah. <laughs> you want to look at yeah, it? Yeah, turn around. I, I can't get any. And what is it? What is it on? 80s dude tweeted that out. Oh, on the Twitter? Yeah. Okay. All right, DJ and PK coming up next. Jake and Ben, more hoops, more jazz tickets, jazz and pacers tonight. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>